please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. It's Martin the Mailman. It's Jesse T. It's your man Chandler. And I'm Young Leezy. Kind of movie critics in full effect. Uh, Corey is down because I guess he got drunk as fuck on his birthday. We turned all the way up yesterday. Uh, first of all, I was so confused. His birthday is not until Friday. But y'all celebrate. This isn't like bad luck to celebrate a week before. You know he does a week-long event for his birthdays. Well, but it usually happens like after his birthday has passed. Or like I the guess. like when his after you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like for this to happen like a week before his birthday that last year it was right after his birthday you see what I'm saying I think his birthday was on Thursday and we went out on Saturday because I remember saying? I had my hair done to go to Vegas yeah. so yeah and and I don't get it his birthday's on Friday that's like prime real estate to actually go out and celebrate it on your birthday well, but I mean it was, it was someone's it was, anniversary right. That he was oh. going to this weekend, I think. Oh, is that what's happening? Mm-hmm. There's like I mean, a it's better for me. It was my, my, my week off for my kids. So oh, I wouldn't okay. be able to hang out next week anyway. So. What, what, what was the theme of this year? Was it like Cortopia? It was, Cor- it was Corpe, Corpe Diem. Diem. Oh, Corpe <laughs> Diem, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Hungover Corey, who's not here uh, recording the Midsummer episode because of Corpe Diem. Um, we are back, man. And, uh, and, and, True kind of movie critics fashion once a month these days. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let me go ahead and get the socials out the way just uh, just in case you don't make it to the end of this episode. <laughs> follow, follow us on uh, on on Facebook and Instagram at Kinda Movie Critics. Again, that's Kinda K I N D A Movie Critics, and on Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits C R I T S. Um, what's happened since we've been gone, guys? I know Emmy noms came out. Oh yeah. yeah, when they see us is getting all the Emmy nominations. Yeah, they got what like six or seven mm-hmm. Emmy noms uh, when they Asante see us. Asante Black, your boy got one. I told you. And I feel like a whole asshole. I did not realize he was Samira Wiley's nephew. And Martin oh, probably told me. I, didn't I, I know he that. probably did, but I did not know that. Either. Nah, she looks just like he looks just like. Yeah, her. now that exactly you say like it, you look just alike. Yeah, and Tight Lip Jarrell got a got an Emmy nom too. We knew yeah. that was gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, he killed it. He killed it. Um, but yeah, I told you that young boy, man. He he put on a. Asante Black put on a performance of a lifetime, man. Uh, to be the age that he is, I'm assuming like 16, 15. He's got a bright future, I think. Oh, man. I can't wait to watch him when he gets older, man. Um, so, so yeah, shout out to When They See Us. Uh, hey, check it got out our... 16 nominations. Oh, it was 16 nominations. The second most ever for a limited series. Yo, shout out to Ava yeah. DuVernay and Netflix for that one. Well, I said, you know, this is her best work so far. I feel like she can probably top it, though. Yeah. That, yeah, that, and, and, oh, and you watched Queen Sugar since then, right? Yeah. yeah Queen I, Sugar's I, I dope, I enjoy bro. that show a lot. Queen like, Sugar's lot. dope, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, go back and check out episode 44. Um, I actually don't call it that. I call it Ralph Angel. Like, I'm, I'm not watching Queen Sugar. I'm watching Ralph Angel. Oh, yo, don't Kofi get me started Cere- on I his love, acting, bro. I love Kofi Cerebro. Shut up. Yo, his acting <laughs> is bad, and that Baton Rouge accent he using is terrible, bro. It's, it's not, it's not terrible. It's Yo, funny. that's te- you know if you know anybody from Baton Rouge, that shit terrible. I know bro. people from New Orleans. Yeah, I don't know they don't sound I, like Kofi Cerebro. I, 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 I went. No, they don't. They but I went to a school with a girl from Baton Rouge. Yeah, her accent was different from. That's New what Orleans. I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think it's very I think it's very arrogant of him not to use a dialect coach for this for Ralph Angel. <laughs> I, I really think that. I think he showed up and was like, he was nah, like fuck it, I'll get it done. to call you the son of a bitch. You acting like you see what I'm saying? He's like he, he's like. <laughs> Like, how do I explain it, man? He's doing, like, an interpretation of what people think 
uh, a New Orleans accent. It's like he gave it an accent and didn't even go down to New Orleans or even None of the rest of them have a New Orleans accent, though. So why are we picking on him? Because the nigga tried. Bro. <laughs> I would have rather they none didn't of them try. This, none of them are trying. <laughs> yeah. So obviously he had not even the white people on that show. Now that you know what though, I like the show so much that I did. I've noticed his bad accent, right? But like now that I'm thinking about it, like uh, the white people on the show sound like they're from Alabama. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> see, he was so bad that everybody else didn't even try, and you didn't give it any thought. And he tried, and you were like, "Oh no, this is wrong." That's how. That's <laughs> leave how my baby alone. <laughs> Good looking dude, I'll give you that. He's a great looking guy. Um, Lion King came out. Did any of y'all see Lion King? No, I'm probably I want going to, today. Not yet. Duh, Let us know it. if you want a Lion King episode, please. I, we we I need content. I wouldn't be mad at a Lion King episode. If you like the original, you're going to, I mean, to me, I feel like you're going to love Lion King. It's just, it's, I'm not going to say it's like a shot for shot remake, but it's pretty much, it's the exact same arc. Well, Everything's by, the same. When you say the original, you're, of course, talking about the Japanese cartoon Kemba the White Lion, right? Oh, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know about that? No, yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's this big scandal. Um, basically, there was this Japanese property from like the 60s and 70s called Kemba the White Lion. Um, very similar to The Lion King in terms of like story mm-hmm. and like shot composition, um, mm-hmm. like very similar. And Disney made The Lion King in '94, and it started out um, as an homage, sort of, to Kemba the White Lion, mm-hmm. according to some of the animators who worked on the film. But Disney has never admitted that. They've never paid any oh, they royalties. Also didn't, they also didn't pay dude for the song either. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's real shady. But there have been people who have come out and said, like, yeah, early on in the development, we were talking about it as a Kemba adaptation. Oh, And wow. then it got, I mean, it hit the Kemba, the white line. Right. Simba, Simba, like, Kemba, yeah. But Disney has always officially covered it up. There's a lot of good uh, articles, and there's a great YouTube documentary on it. Uh, Highly suggested. So that's crazy because there's another Netflix documentary, The Lion Share, where it mm-hmm. talks about the the usage of like the mm-hmm. and how basically Disney fucked them too. Disney's just around here fucking everybody. Disney's yeah. a monopoly now, man. That's right. They could do whatever the they fuck they want. They probably got yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I did. I will say this. I was not excited at all to watch it. Um, I like B, but I don't stand. I'm not Beehive. I love Beyonce, but I don't consider myself Beehive. I, there's a point where I'm like, okay, you lost me. Yeah. But I will say, listening to her companion album like has me hyped to see it now. Hey, Treasy, were there any scenes in the movie that you felt like were better than in the animated version? Um. So here's the thing. I haven't watched the animated version since the 90s, so that no. one's tough. Um, no, The fight scenes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I had to have any qualm about um, this whole remake, it was like the not the final fight scene, but the one where it's like the, you know, Scar's uh, regime with all the hyenas and shit mm-hmm. fighting like Simba's new regime, you know, um, it just, it just sounded like the sound design was a little flat. Like mm. I just didn't feel it mm. in the think, theater. Do you think that's something the consumer would pick up on? No, no, I just I don't think it would matter to them. But the fight scenes were fly. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, it was just good seeing it. I don't know how to classify that style of animation because mm. it was like my wife swore that she was like these are live animals, right? I'm like I don't think so. Like mm. that's like. That's a lot to ask some real lions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, there's been a lot of talk about the animation in this movie, and a lot of negative press that alleges that the photoreal CG animals are like dead-eyed or uh, not as expressive as the original characters in the in the '94 film. 
I, I, I'll agree to that. There were some places where it was like there was dialogue happening and, and the mouths weren't even moving. Mm. Um, there were a couple places where I saw that happen, but it wasn't a distraction. To me, if anything, it added value to it made me feel more into the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas like animation is completely removed and it's an animated film. I kind of felt like I felt the texture of the jungle. I felt I felt more involved in this story than I but then again, I gotta watch the animated being a grown up now. Well, th- right? you know, because this is still there's nothing real in the new one. It's all animated. There's no Even right. The that's what I'm saying. All, yeah, the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's all they took. They went out and shot, and plates, shot plates and stuff, yeah. but it's all been animated over. That dog, was just for reference. Dog, that this shit looks to me. This is how you do a reimagination of a film. It's like where you don't take away from the original story. You don't. You don't make any wild twists and turns that nobody's expecting. You're just literally reinterpreting a film that, like, some. I was in my early teens when it came out that I loved, and now I'm a grown up with a child that's close to my age when I first saw it, mm-hmm. and we can have the same experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then that's that. Like, I'm not looking for anything new out of Lion King. I think the allegory itself was on point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking for nothing new from it except for a reinterpretation of the like visually. Have any of you guys seen the musical, the stage musical? Oh, no, yeah, I, I saw it. I heard it was good. I yeah, saw it when it just kid. came and yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a theater person, so I think if you put anything like on a stage in front of me, I'll be overwhelmed, mm-hmm. but it was very very impressive. Yeah, I keep I saying I'm going to go and then I don't. But mm. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. Has it come here? Several it just, times. Just recently. Yeah. Oh, I'm lying. I did yeah. go see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did go see it. I think that was it. I don't know. It was at Chrysler Hall, right? Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. Here a few times. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's, that's just weird. Like, Wicked's I, been here. I went to see The Color Purple here. Like, it's been here. Got you. That's weird. I I sat in a whole presentation of The Lion King <laughs> and completely fucking forgot about it. Maybe it wasn't that good. Well, it's just, you know, I think it's one of those days where it's like, all right, I got shit to do, but I'm going to do this I feel for like that's where I feel like that's where Kyle MacLachlan came from. I feel like he was in The Lion King. I could Kyle tell, MacLachlan, really? Not Kyle MacLachlan. Um... That, what's that child's name? Like, yeah, you know, before t- before Twin Peaks, Kyle McLaughlin was like really known as Zazu. No, no, the little boy, <laughs> Caleb, Caleb McLaughlin. That's funny. Caleb McLaughlin, Caleb. not Kyle. Which one's Caleb McLaughlin? The black one. Oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas. That guy. <laughs> Lucas. Oh, yeah. for real? Yeah. And okay. he was in New Edition, and I was like, oh, he sings, and then I, I feel like I looked up. Too bad Stranger Things, one. like, totally sucks. Um, It doesn't totally suck. It sucks it's now. Just, it's Season not one as was good. tight. Season, one, season three is bad. I'm, That's I'm my like, hot take. I'm four mm. episodes in. I, I, I kind of feel what you're saying. We did. I yeah. did a whole episode on it on my other podcast, uh, Act Three. Um, but yeah, I was outnumbered by people that liked it. They liked season three. Yeah, we. I had two people arguing with me, and they really liked it. And that that I don't understand. Like I can understand like apathy. Or indifference, <laughs> but um, that's I mean, about I where I am. It. I don't, I don't hate it, but like it's, I'm, I'm committed to it. Yeah. So like, I'm. It doesn't matter what they do with it. I'm still gonna. I need to know what happens. I, I mean, I think I'm so invested now. Like, I'll keep watching it. But I was just, it was a real chore for me. It was to get a, through. it was a, it was a letdown, and like some of the stuff went on too long. The, yeah. the whole Russia plot, I was just like, oh, uh, this is ridiculous. what we're doing. Yeah. They do not need eight episode seasons. Also, like eight episodes is already a short season order, but I don't think we need that much. I would settle for four or five for Stranger Things. Jeez. You could have cut out three, four episodes material easily from season three. Wow, interesting. Was there anything as bad as that 
episode last season oh, where like God. they went to there's break. not one single episode as bad as the like, that is, 11 that is the all time worst do they even reference that or they just no. let that no. okay oh, yeah. thank god none of those characters come back but thank no. god the dog is gone but honestly I would I would rather not revisit those characters but I would rather know more about the other children who were there than what we got this season I think that the, yeah season 3 feels like oddly nothing happens to any of the characters mm-hmm. and and I mean what does happen is is stuck in like the last two episodes, but there's six episodes before that where it feels like nothing is happening. I, I just I still I still love um, what's his name Gaten Matarazzo or or Dustin. Mm-hmm. I love Dustin. Dustin, mm-hmm. he's I mean the, the actors are, are charismatic, but I, yeah, I'm just so over it. It feels so samey. It, they've created this concept the upside down where it's like literally a whole alternate universe where anything is possible. Yet we've made three seasons about the same thing, same possibility. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you on that. That's kind I of also feel like, and we'll talk off mic about this because I don't want to spoil it. But like, I also feel like that final scene is like for them to let you know that they're tricking us. Yeah. With what happened? Oh well, um, you know, I think the big thing that happens, I, I think, very few viewers will actually be tricked into thinking that's a permanent thing. That's I, that's I was like, on. I was like lightweight, like gonna cry. Like what? No, I, I was ready to shoot you. Stop judging me. <laughs> I was ready to <laughs> kick the TV when that was happening. <laughs> so, so what I don't get is like the first season they kind of like take the monster, put him in another dimension, so he can't come back. The second season they close the hole to the dimension. So how does this dude just keep coming back? Oh, they, it's just open. And did you watch it? I haven't watched the third season. Okay, well then that's really easily explained. Oh, it's okay. like scene one. They're like, "Hey, it's back open." Whoops. Okay, so at, the fir- so at the so at the first at the first so it's not the same. It's not the same monster though. Oh, it's not. No, they didn't. It's season two guy. The, yeah, he, which which he so okay. If you watched if you watched the last scene in season one, they're like. Well, the first scene in season one, they're fighting the Demogorgon, right? And they name the monster what it's named in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. In the last scene of um, season one, they're fighting, when they're playing D&D, they're fighting Thessalhydra. So the Mind Flayer is a Thessalhydra. So they're not fighting the Demogorgon again. And the Mind Flayer is also a D&D character, too. Oh, see, I didn't know. Yeah. But the thing is, like, the Mind Flayer, if you've watched season two where he's like the big bad, you know, they don't reveal anything about like his motivations or what he wants. And ditto for season three. Yeah. And that to me is so frustrating because I'm like sort of interested in this mythology they're building. But I think when you go for like two seasons, 16 episodes worth of stories featuring this villain and I know nothing about it. Like, that's not just withholding for, like, tension purposes. Wait. It just feels lazy. So he, like, possesses a whole character, and that character doesn't tell you anything yeah, about he's, he that. Does, that's he tells you something, but not to the level that, that Chandler's wanting. There's, um, what, I, I don't know anything about, I just, it's he chaos. Tell, he tells you about, like, his experience being possessed. Right, but it's just, there's no motivation. It's just an agent of chaos. I feel like Will is the most useless character in the whole yeah. series. Poor, and one of the most talented actors, He's I think. a very talented little actor. They give him, like, one scene in season three to, like, go for it, and it's one of the worst scenes in the whole season. <laughs> Damn. And they're doing wrong by that kid, man. He's really good. Damn. Yeah. Meanwhile, that we sucks. just getting all the Finn Wolfhard we ever want in our lives. So much Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> I don't like saying his name. I'm sorry. 
Finn you Wolfhard. Such a twelve-year-old. I, I just don't. And he's Swedish. That kind of ties into this whole episode, I think. Well, know? yeah, you can't trust. Speaking Swedish of people. speaking of Finn Wolfhard, I'm really living for the new it this trailer. This it looks good. Oh, yeah. And they cast Jessica Chastain, like I said. They okay, would. yeah, you did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who did, who did we say? Rachel McAdams. Not Rachel McAdams. We just named all the redhead bitches. Right. Right. <laughs> wow. What's, what's her name? She worked with uh, with this director on uh, that other movie. Jessica Chastain? Yeah. On with, what uh, other what's movie? the guy? Who, I don't know the director. Who, who's the guy that's directed I, it? Uh, it's like Muschietti. Yeah, Andy Muschietti. I think he did yeah. the movie Mama, which uh, has. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah. was one that produced by Guillermo del Toro. I yeah, think. it was. Yeah, and, I think and she so, was a yeah. star in that. Oh. So they had a prior relationship anyway. Oh. Gotcha. So like the popular fan theory that she was going to be cast, I think it, it was kind of founded. I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, Beverly should be Jessica Well, it's crazy. They got like A-list actors. I mean, her, McAvoy, Bill yes. Hader. I I'm knew like, they would. I knew they oh, would. Because, I mean, they grossed heavy yeah. coming out the gate. So they I mean, I'm way more down. excited for Chapter 2 than I was the first one. Well, yeah. Yeah. The first one was about nostalgia, like the second right. one. And, and when you watch... The old miniseries, the the first part of it is way scarier than yes. the second part. Yeah, scary. And so I feel like, with the exception of like the the Beverly scene where she goes to see Mrs. Kirsch, outside of that, mm-hmm. like it's not really scary to me. Dog, this one looks crazy. It looks when super. She goes to see. Yeah, when she goes yeah. to see her, and I I love that that's what they put in the first teaser. Yeah. But like, I always felt like watching it. As a child, like I was like, they go through all of that, and it's a fucking bug. Like, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, so yeah. like I I'm interested to see like what they do, and they clearly right. have taken some license with some of the scenes to make it scarier. I'm so. also interested to see how they pull that off because it's a challenging ending. Yeah, to, to a, make satisfying. Yeah, I mean that they may have just changed it, and yeah. I'm okay with that. Well, like, it seems like they're including the Stephen King thing like the the lights or whatever yeah the which dead is lights like, yeah and they left that out of the no, that old miniseries yeah, that was in the original, that was in oh, the original. Okay. I've yeah. never read the book that's how that's oh. how they slingshot they, he shot the slingshot into the dead lights oh. uh, with the rod I've only seen that one time and I didn't really like it so yeah so, the mean, second part was negligible mm-hmm. like, well the thing is like when you watch it as an adult it's trash is it, <laughs> is it John Ritter in the old one yeah so the biggest twit the biggest scare for me was like when he turns around and you see that he's got a very low that was like hitting from his tight shot. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh my god! <laughs> my heart burns there too. Yeah, yeah. like he was a fat kid. Yeah. Um, I it it should be it should be good. I it looks it looks good, and I yeah. like I you know Bill Skarsgård is like a scary motherfucker. Fun fact: uh, Will Poulter, who was in the movie we're talking about today, Midsummer. Yes. You know, he was cast as Pennywise he in the, been scarier the prior than the version. Been good, yeah, I, I, well, he's a similar kind of. Casting to uh, to Skarsgård. Oh, oh, I thought you meant Tim Curry. No, I think like Will Poulter and Skarsgård. Well, he does look like Tim Curry, but I think they both have similar energy. Like super young, like it's his mouth. It's his mouth. Yeah, Poulter's eyebrows are nuts. Yeah, he does some crazy (laughs) faces. He's just like a wild looking guy. I I can't imagine him ever getting a rom com with that face. He's like (laughs) he's not the lovable hunk. Yeah, he's like he's like a way less intriguing version of like Mads Mikkelsen. So like I can never see it just in terms of like the character like I I'll never see Mads Mickelson as like a good guy. Yeah, like, I don't no see Mads Mickelson as a Wait, good guy, but I can Rogue see women one, wanting he... to screw him. Like I can't see a woman wanting to have sex with Will Poulter. Poulter. Yeah. <laughs> Mads Mickelson is like the best guy ever. Oh well, you know, Trezy hasn't seen it. That doesn't oh, exist. You never saw Rogue One. Yo, uh, it's which one dope. is Rogue One? It's the one that came out yeah, in 2016. Yeah, no, it's really it. good. Great Mads Mickelson performance. Did and you a different listen to our Star Wars episode? I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go listen to it right now. <laughs> right what, now. Break. 
Hey guys, I'm back. I just listened to Star Wars episode. <laughs> so good. I really loved it. Really good commentary. Funny. I watched it too for the first time with you. It was pretty. Well, wait a minute. That fucked that all up. You already saw it. I, oh, never mind. That's okay. That off is bad timing. That's all right. Cut it all out. Cut it. Out. Let's start Rogue over. One, Rogue One, I think, is still on Netflix. Please watch it. It's really yeah. good. I, I still have to catch the hat, second half of episode two and then episode three. No, you yeah, don't. Okay. Just watch Rogue One. Episode yeah, three is good said, though. Episode three is pretty Episode good. Episode three is good. I don't know. We're not no, going it's down not. this Yeah. Look, I'm a prequel apologist. Like, I know they're bad, but like, episode three is actually you good. You should have been on that fucking episode with us. Let's do we it again. Like, Let's just do it all over again. Let's just do I mean, it all. We can. Let's do a Lion King style remake. I think I'd be down to like go back through the anthology uh, like once. Maybe once once it once Rise of Skywalker is out, you can do the whole Skywalker saga. Come on. We'll do it. I'm for it. I can talk about Star Wars forever. It's fine. Yeah. That's funny. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out next week, and I know uh, I'm excited about that. And and speaking of your Act 3 podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, We were going to have you on as a guest to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's right. Uh, Act 3, shameless plug here. Uh, That's uh, me and my co-worker Stephen Wall over at WTKR News 3. We talk about movies, TV, pop culture. Um, we break our topics down into three acts on every episode. Like a movie. Just like a movie, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, we uh, we really like Tarantino, and we're very excited about that episode, and uh, really hope that you can make it. Oh, no, no, you guys, you you extended the invitation, and I have to be there. Oh. They also do this, y'all also do, like, every episode, you do, like, a Will call, where you talk about, like, Will Smith. Yeah, that's right. So we have, like, a segment where we would check in on Will Smith every week. Now, he's been kind of laying low. Yeah, okay. uh, Will Smith's bucket list season is over so we haven't had a Will call in a little while right. but you know what since you brought it up I'll try and bring one back please do for please, your please have a good I one for me I vote for that that his like overproduced like uh, parody of doing like a, a water commercial for Jade and that shit was hilarious oh yeah that, that was good yes. that was good it was I awesome. like that yeah yeah um, before we're done with this uh, you can <laughs> find all those episodes at act3podcast.com Good. There you go. And it's a, it's a really good podcast. If you like movies, they have really good intellectual discussions. I don't know if we quite get as intellectual as this podcast, <laughs> but it's uh it's maybe a little bit, you know, focused on the comedy aspect. Yeah. We mm. we're not as smart, but we're we're goofballs. It, it's it's well produced. You're well you're way more <laughs> You're not here because you're produced. not smart. Right. 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 So we're clear. Right. Oh my god. You're, you're definitely you. smart. You know, I just finished, <laughs> I finished number 8 in my class in high school. I'm just going to throw that out. There. Wow. Why awesome. number number 8 so you're the seventh loser. Gotcha. That's right. <laughs> Um, we didn't mention John Singleton last night. Uh, last time we recorded, he passed away. I just didn't. I didn't want our listeners thinking we didn't care about John Singleton. So uh, we all know what he contributed to the culture of uh, cinema. Um, so rest in peace, John Singleton. And I'm trying to get back on to uh, um, what's the show he had, man? Uh, Snowfall. Snowfall. Oh, season three. I I loved season one and two. So that's I did not realize that kid was British until I saw him on Black Mirror. Now I feel stupid. Yeah, more of the same. That's the show about like the crack epidemic in the eighties. I haven't seen that. It's an amazing show. It's on FX, right? Yeah, it's an amazing show. If you watch it on the FX app, though, like all the cursing is there. So yeah, yeah, that FX app is all right. I just don't like all the ads. You can't skip. Right, but that's because watching it on television. Yeah, I know. I just. I'm so used to streaming. I haven't had cable in forever. I use my parents' password on it. <laughs> and like all those like TV channel apps, like it's just the ads or yeah, it's just I like think TV. That's why I never got Hulu because I was like, 
well, why am I paying for it? For ads, ads. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that's becoming an inevitability now. There's yeah. not ads on everything on Hulu. Facts. And, yeah. and I I got Hulu during the Black Friday special, so I'm paying 99 cents a month for it for the first year. Ooh. So I don't give a shit about commercials. About ads. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have like, that. It's 12 bucks for the year. I'm like, all right, cool. They have the ad-free version. I think the ad-free version is like $12, yeah. but the version yeah. I have like will be like $7 a month. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I pay. Mine's a seven a month, and I think we I just pay it. It's, it's like... Uh, coupled in with my cell phone account. Yeah, Yo, you got Sprint. Sprint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is dope. Yeah, I love it. Um, two things. Figure out how to get Netflix for free from T-Mobile. Hey, just find a Hey, T-Mobile. If you're listening to this podcast, make sure Lizzie gets. No, it they, they they have like Netflix with T-Mobile. I just don't. I think it was like for new people who signed up because they're bastards like that. But uh, yeah. well, everybody's trying to get you hooked on the on, yeah on exactly. the cocaine <laughs> before they price it. Um, two other things I want to mention before we jump into midsummer: the Top Gun trailer crazy. I don't know if y'all saw it. It looked no. amazing. I don't think the appeal is there if you're not like a built-in Top Gun fan. Because I thought it yeah. looked cool, but like I don't have any nostalgia for that movie. I got you. I love Tom Cruise though, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Ed Harris. I got you. I think it's a... I, Are I, they I, in the new one? I didn't watch it yeah. for the same reason. Tom Cruise and Ed Oh, Harris so it's a both. continuation of that universe. It's literally a part two. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I will, I'll, look, I'll look at it. Yeah, the, the original is what, 86? So it's been 33 like years? Yeah. That's a long yeah. time between two movies. Very my, much. my daddy didn't watch Top Gun. I didn't watch Top and, Gun. And like, that's how that works. Val Kilmer's in it, too. <laughs> He's I coming think. back. Yeah, yeah and coming. Miles Teller plays the son of Goose, yeah. right? Well, I like no, Miles no, no, Teller. no. It, it, it's the son of uh, of Maverick. Oh, Ma- no, I don't think so. It's not I it's think not it's Maverick Goose's son? kid. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, could I don't know, man. I might be wrong. You could, I, you I've could just be been right. reading about this movie. Like I said, I don't think I've even ever seen the first one all the way. But it's crazy. Tom Cruise looks like 10 years older than the last movie. Right. He's been definitely been in a cryo chamber somewhere yeah how do they yeah. how do they do his that? clones been doing the movies he's it looks like ed harris has been aging all the years that tom cruise hasn't <laughs> well ed harris seems like he was presented old from the get-go so i never <laughs> see him like well he's like morgan freeman i've never seen yeah. him young. <laughs> yeah. uh ed harris looks a lot like vigo mortensen too if you really think about it they got the same I hate you. they got Wait, the same does? face <laughs> yeah i can see i can see yeah, I mean, the same structure i can see that vigo of Mort- all the people you just ed named, harris, i'm most so excited to see ed harris like if vigo mortensen is dorian gray then ed harris is the painting <laughs> that all this stuff happens to as a literary uh, illusion for all of you listeners <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's funny because you can see both of them in the history of violence uh, Ed Harris and Vigo oh, that's crazy yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that's how my brain works but you know I'm patting myself on the back first you can't of all, hear it. you know what that actually is that's him like <laughs> practicing playing six degrees of separation yeah I, and I did I just when I worked at the movie theater uh, AMC 24 and a half when it first opened one of did my managers yeah, one of my, one of my managers. <laughs> it was real quiet. No one would have known if you I didn't have, say anything. I'm sorry, but <laughs> and, and, I, I judge people who don't sneeze like a man, and so like oh, we were wow. friends. But we were oh, okay. We way like to, way to bring some outdated gender politics into the episode. <laughs> First okay. of all, you <laughs> called us old like four times, and I had to get your ass back. <laughs> but yeah, I had a manager. That's kind of where my love for like really paying attention to movies came from. My manager at AMC 24, and he like in between. You know, the whole thing about working at a theater is like when all the movies kind of start at the same time. So once they're all in there, you kind of got like this sort of like hour break to, you know, for concessions to repop popcorn and all this other shit. So in between that little downtime, we would always do the six degrees of separation game. So that's, you're actually right. <laughs> yeah, that is me. It's like still practicing. 20 I love years that later. game, but I'm bad at it. 
Oh, it I'm takes me like ten or twelve it. steps. Yeah. They play it on um, the Nod podcast. They were it's like black people though instead of movies, but like they try to connect people, and I'm screaming at the podcast. But then like they let you play on Twitter, oh, and I nice. always like go back and I'm like boom boom boom. You guys suck at this. Nice, <laughs> but, nice. Do you like to play the version with Kevin Bacon? No. <laughs> That's fun because it's like an added challenge because you got to put Kevin Bacon in there. I feel yeah. like Kevin Bacon makes it easier. I don't. I don't know. I think that's an added difficulty you just have to, level. You just have to. You have to relate the person back to Kevin. Every person you pick has to relate back to Kevin, yeah. which is actually to me easier because he's been in so much shit. But see, I feel like Samuel Jackson's been in more. So I feel like that that's outdated. Yeah, Kevin Bacon. He's been laying dormant for a while. I feel like we need to redo it with Sam Jackson because he's been in every movie with that. Well, it seemed like there was going to be like a Bacon Assance with uh, the following that show on Fox. And I then, really oh hate you. And then he was uh, he was <laughs> in X Men First that, Class. You know that really show was set here, right? Was it really? No, I did not know that. Well, I know Lie to Me was. Oh, that's, uh, what's his name, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> that one what's guy. What's his name? Yeah, Tim, Mr. Tim Pink. Roth. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Pink. No, it was it was set. The following was set here. They were supposed to be in Norfolk, and there were all these damn row houses like Northern Virginia. And I was like, who oh, decided Lord. this looked like Norfolk? Yeah. There's an episode of the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, the set in Virginia, with a Virginia State Trooper. Oh, I saw like, that one. And oh, the that car and the car looks nothing like our State Troopers. And nothing. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of cornfields and shit. Yeah, and I was just thinking, like, <laughs> is this how other people feel like all the time? But I <laughs> yes, that must have been Gerard McMurray's episode. It was. Oh, okay. He was he was on his way to college. He was going to HBCU. Yeah. So I'm yep. very sure that's why it was set in Virginia but did right. he go to state or did he go to uh, Howard? he went to Howard okay because he did because you know whatchamacallit uh sand burning sands was yeah, yeah burning sands was his and he's an alpha chapter Q so yeah he went okay to, he went to gotcha um and then the last thing was the I guess Marvel announcing mad shit whoa yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just still thinking about it. It's, <laughs> it's not important to me, but I, f- I know, you know, we didn't do Endgame. I know we have some Marvel listeners and enthusiasts. Do y'all still so want know. that? Because I've actually, like, someone was like, who was it? Was it was it Avon that was like... Uh, Might have been. He was like, I know y'all over there recording the When They See Us episode. All we actually <laughs> yeah. want is an Endgame episode. Yeah, if y'all really do want like, that, like, I mean, we don't... There's a lot to unpack with Endgame. Like, legit cinematic discussion I think I mean we can if y'all, if y'all want it please let us know because we, we'll, we will yeah, well like, you know what's wild is uh, you know they had this huge day at Comic Con yesterday where they announced like their whole slate for phase four and then like an hour or two after their panel ended uh, the trades were reporting that they finally beat Avatar for the number one worldwide box office spot so like wow. yesterday was a nice. huge day for Marvel wow. nice yeah. shout out to Marvel yep Oh, all right, man. Y'all ready to jump into this mid somehow? Sure. All right. Um, the movie that has effectively scared everybody from ever going to Sweden again, in addition to ASAP Rocky being locked <laughs> up on trumped up charges. Um, Midsummer Man, Ari, Ari, is it Ari Aster? Is Ari that, Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster, who is slowly becoming like, I mean, I'm really fond of his work between this and Hereditary, me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, how many did everybody see Hereditary here? Of course. No, I didn't yeah. see it. You didn't see it? Oh, no. you would love it. It's on Prime right over. now. Watch yeah. that shit. Yeah, you would so love good. it, Martin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you would probably love it more than this, actually. Like, okay. if you like this, I think you'll really like Hereditary. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a way it more contained story. Mm-hmm. Um, way, way more focused. In a lot of ways, this is like a complete opposite. Hereditary is way less predictable. Too like, and when you yes. watch when you watch Hereditary the second time, you pick up on a whole lot of dialogue that probably like was washing over you the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like the same would go here, even though it was a lot of foreshadowing in Midsummer. There was so much foreshadowing in um, Midsummer, I, but I, I still think that there's even more to 
dissect and watching it the second time. With well, I, you know, I was watching Midsummer and just very taken with thematically um, how he revisits a lot of the same ideas in this movie. Yes. I think in terms of like very human conflict, um, dealing with trauma, dealing with loss, grief. Right. Like yeah. those are things that he's very clearly fascinated in. Yeah, apparently. I'd say I'd say the first act of the movie, like the art, kind of goes the same way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, it makes me wonder, like, what happened to this poor guy? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Well, Is he okay? <laughs> right, right. Why am I having to see so many fucking smashed in faces? Be like that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't um, ready. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I mean, I I I knew based on watching Hereditary, like he's gonna fuck me up, and I knew it was coming. And I'm like. Bracing for yeah, I don't want to jump yeah. around, but like, I mean, he really plays with your uh, expectations because, like, he leads it pretty early. Like, hey, these old people are gonna kill themselves, yeah. <laughs> like, but it takes forever for it to happen, for it to happen. and I'm just like yeah. feeling sick. In I my didn't seat. think they yeah. were gonna kill themselves. I knew they were gonna die, but I didn't think they were gonna kill themselves. Oh, yeah. I kind of figured. I mean, white people ritual suicide kind of goes along with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just always thought it was like cool. I didn't know like. Smash face into rock. Like, I didn't know that was Well, once they go up on the rock and it's like a cliff, I was like, oh. Jim Jones cult? Most of the people who died in Jonestown were black. Why do people not know that? I didn't know that. Well, I I didn't pay attention that much. Okay. That's why. Cult reference. Most of them were black. Well, not in Waco, though. No, not in Waco. Cool. We can make fun of the Branch Davidian all you want. Yeah, I mean, we kind of jump, we kind of jump way ahead in midsummer. I just think it's crazy that like Jim Jones like did that horrible stuff and then like still had a successful career in Dipset. I really hate you. You are stupid. Oh, that's funny. Um, all right, so where to start with midsummer? I guess I do the summary for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. I'm pretty sure you've the seen mid-summary? it. The midsummer. You want to do it in a oh, Corey accent since he's not here? Let's do it. What's the Corey accent? You do it since you brought I it up. Have, I don't have Corey's accent. Well, nobody has Corey's accent, but I want to yeah. hear you do. I want to hear you do the Ralph a- Angel version of Corey's accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Can you I don't do even, it? I don't even watch um, that show. Oh, okay. Can you do it, Chandler? Can you do Corey? Uh, I haven't worked on it. You put me on the spot. Next time. I got you. Uh, I'll do Corey here. A couple of travelers. (laughs) A couple of travelers to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic, idyllic, idyllic? Is that what? Idyllic retreat quickly dissolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. Was know. that pretty good? That was pretty that good. Was good. Yeah, he got a good trailer voice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody use... uses voices on trailers. Did you notice that? They don't. Use yeah, they don't do it as much. The, the, the in a world thing is kind of over. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. In a world. In a... You know, there's a movie called In a World <laughs> in a... about yeah. that. Oh, it's about such that. a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is Bell. pretty good. Yeah. Lake Bell, yeah, yeah. killing it in that yeah, movie. She's an interesting face. She is. I like it though. I'm here for it. Is it does it is Don LaFontaine in that movie or does it deal with the, I think it deals with the death of Don LaFontaine. Yeah, it deals Maybe with the his death. death. Right, cuz yeah. it's about them trying to like fill the void yeah. after right. he dies. It's pretty dark. <laughs> but is but isn't she like supposed to be related to him in that movie or something? No, like her father also wants the the job. He was like oh, the number 2 guy. Was. He was okay. like losing jobs to Don LaFontaine. Right. Gotcha. And so it's he a, felt a like, like he could like replace him and then he's like in competition with his daughter and her lover. Right, that movie right. like exclusively would only appeal to cinephiles. Pretty much. <laughs> it's very inside period. baseball. Yeah, period. <laughs> um, where do we start, man, with Midsummer? I, I I think I think a good place is you said the first act of it was very mm-hmm. much like Hereditary. the arc of Hereditary. Oh, yeah. Um I, I I didn't see yeah, I didn't see this movie going that the way. route that it went. I thought it would be more straightforward than that mm-hmm. instead of like, I mean, we're spoiling it, yes. Mm-hmm. So 
when when her sister was um you know sending her these cryptic messages about her being sick and her taking it very seriously like pretty early on i was like fuck her boyfriend is such a fucking douche i'm gonna love to see him die right. mm-hmm. even though i didn't um but, right, right. <laughs> um it's really did, fucking but... disturbing i mean i felt like he deserved it but yeah. and i was really glad that she chose him and she i want to get more into that mm-hmm. later i have a lot of, about you have a lot that topic mm-hmm. um but like just the way that his friends and him were reacting to her experiencing trauma and like being a full human being with emotions it made me like so mad but i don't think it's i think it's his friends yes but jack rayner's character kind of just sits there and listens and then ultimately still but steps away defend her. But, yeah but he's i mean he's questioning it himself he's, he's, but christian's the see, worst boyfriend ever yeah there's I, way I, worse I boyfriends think, that yeah, you don't know about yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think i honestly the funny part is i feel like i feel like that whole thing was really true I, yeah. No, it was. It's, it's, I, I feel like too, I feel like that too. Well, and 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 I think he didn't. Def- I, I think what we saw happen there was the effects of him, like bringing the the problems he has with his relationships to his boys and opening that door for them to comment on things because it's probably so like, oh, this fucking bitch is doing this again. They're doing so he's kind of opened that door to where they feel like the criticism can be received. Well, Does that make sense? It's definitely a thing that he's done several times before right. that conversation. So we see them, we're like, oh, they're all assholes. It's like, no, maybe the first time he brought it up, it's like, okay, she has her issues. You should probably be trying to do this. Yeah. But the fact that like she keeps having this problem and he keeps bringing it up, they're like, yo, I'm tired of hearing about this shit. Yeah. I wish he would just break up with her. Yeah. Break up. Wow. So, so here's the thing, though, like, that was frustrating about this. And it's a thing that men do. Like, you're just crazy. Like, it's just like, and it. I always go back to Dave Chappelle saying, like, he doesn't like to hear people being called crazy because it's dismissive. Right. I don't want to deal with this. I don't understand it. I can't relate to it. And so, therefore, it's irrational right. because I can't wrap my head around it. And I, like, she was very clearly not crazy. So, like, she to me was like the most normal out of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> So I I don't know that that was just but I think I think, I think women get that though I think I think what you can't do is discount the history though and I and what, what I'll say is that like she may not have been crazy but here's the thing about crying wolf right like she may have had inst- like when you dramatize things I guess to a certain point then when it really when real drama happens it's hard to decipher that like this is the real drama and I feel like that's what he felt about his relationship she but, was her, very but her drama was not hers it was her family and she's like which free. makes it even more easy to dismiss because it's like I don't actually get a chance to see this I just hear about this through a tertiary party and it's like I, like I really don't see the effects of it. Nothing ever happens. It's always just, it's you come to me with frustration and nothing ever happens. So to me, it, the problem. I don't know if the problem is really even happening. Well, she has some form of mental illness, right? Because she was taking pills and a boyfriend. Yeah, anxiety. She yeah. had anxiety. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I rightfully exactly fucking so. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. but what we get is the we get the opportunity to see that the shit is real. Like so. But I don't think he ever gets that proof. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Well, like, I mean, because there's an implied history here yeah. that this has been a thing where she's struggling. She really is relying on him as a crutch. Right. Uh, Will Poulter, you know, throws out the idea that maybe this is an abusive relationship in an emotional sense. Like maybe, you know, they're not really respecting each other. And and I think you see that in Jack Rayner's performance where he's very clearly sick of this. Yes. But he still is trying. 
And I'm not trying. I'm not here to stick up for Christian, the character. Mm-hmm. He does some bad things, but I guess there's so many readings of this, um, you know, in articles online and in like lengthy dissertations about how he's a bad guy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I read him as a very real boyfriend. That's a real mm-hmm. boyfriend. who's having a hard time dealing with this relationship that is probably run its course, yeah. but mm-hmm. they're kind of stuck with each other. Yeah. And I think that when he, the proof is in the pudding when he invites her to go on the trip, like. He doesn't, of course he doesn't want her to go, Yeah. but he, he invites her hoping she'll say no, but because he knows that like, it's the right thing to do. It's the right, right. Thing to And do I, so I don't think that this guy is evil. I mean, yeah, he's honestly, if he was going to like do the right thing, he should have broken up with her before. Can I ask this question? Yes. Cause I, cause, cause I hear what you're saying, but I feel like you're just reinforcing like their bullshit because if your homeboy had a brother or a sister who behaved that way and it was traumatic to him, would you just stop fucking being friends with I him? I think that the same kind you? of thing happens between thing. friends. Yeah, it's it's just, if, if if like I think it just boils down to like you're how, not their fucking friend in, then. Like, no, Jesus, I don't, I, no, I don't think every, I don't think, I don't think everybody's think, it, not everybody's willing to like totally give up their own life to be there for somebody else. I'm not I, saying that you necessarily yeah. have to, but to act like their trauma is a is somehow burdensome to you. You're not. You don't really love that. But person. he doesn't. No, he doesn't not act that. like that to Danny. He's in the confidence of his friend group. He's right. getting real. But to her, he doesn't act that way. So what's really also interesting to me, it's more like ironic, is that they're all anthropologists. And then like this human behavior is something that they're so dismissive of. I'm sure that's intentional. Well, I yeah. didn't think about that till right now, but that's yeah. really cool. And, and to me, to me, this is kind of the motif of the movie. It's, it blurs the lines between really like bad and good. Like, And I think it's all perception-based, like where you stand with it. Because you know, just jumping into the whole, the whole cult, they didn't view anything that they were doing as abnormal. Right. That's definitely a fucking commentary right. so, on what we accept when we find it like commonplace to us. Well, yeah. so so I think I think that's what we're kind of saying about this relate. I think that's what Ari's kind of saying about this relationship too. Is like, is this really a? Is this really a? Okay, so just you know, full confidence. I felt like the protagonists were the antagonists in this. Like so the people that we're supposed to be rooting for, all 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 the homeboys, everybody but everybody but Danny, mm-hmm. I felt like was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. Um, so but they weren't at the same time. Like it's it you I feel like that relationship is just is real. And it's I I just think some people are equipped to handle a lot of drama and some people are not. And then what what like these perimeters of relationships i think like the human interpretation of what relationships should be gets in the way because it's like yo clearly i don't have the emotional fortitude to deal with your situation but i would be an asshole to you if i left Mm -hmm. what was the common denominator that made them not good people because i think it's very clear um i I mean just they were they were all self centered. Yes, they were all incredibly self centered. Yeah, but I but I think that's I. So is that is that is that what Ari's trying to say about this male group, or are they just kind of like a sample size of America? How he feels about America? Uh, I think that's exactly what it is, and I think the the juxtaposition of these Americans, where we there's so many things that we have in this country as part of like our infrastructure right. socially, right? Or legally, that are just to other people horrible, ridiculous, yeah, and 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 they're accepted. With they're it. accepted, right? Yeah. So like we we have children in fucking cages right now, yes. but like these people in Sweden who like 
do what they're doing is barbaric, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the juxtaposition is there. I mean, and, and the irony is not lost on me about like the laws in Sweden for self-defense being so much more stringent than they are in the United States, and that's why ASAP Rocky's ass is in jail. Yeah. But like, Thanks. and I realized that reading comments, like what they think about as like really horrible and violent, all of us are like, well, they were fucking with him. He just beat his ass. Like, right, right. and it was just really normal to us. Right. And the fact that they were anthropologists, it really felt like all of them were so worried about involved like evolving in their careers or advancing in their careers yeah. that they couldn't stop to see like hey this is a really bad situation right. mm-hmm. well yeah I, but I, I i don't think the friends are at fault i think the friends are getting their information filtered as well in a, in a weird way they're almost treating him the same way he's treating her it's very dismissive it's like well you know because they don't see no the, they are yeah, they are and then i feel like, like he was he was in the beginning like you said when he invited her he didn't really want her to come but he's like well, this is the right thing to do i just i can't just yeah. leave her here and they were really like fuck this is gonna get in the way of my good time as though that matters yeah. the most well here's well, to I, them it does it <laughs> does to us it's, remember i said yeah. about like being being a uh privileged person in whatever facet of your life that you're privileged like we don't like to sacrifice our comfort and they just were like well yeah i mean but it's it's a very easy analogy like if you were going out with your homegirls and everybody had babysitters but one homegirl she had to bring her friend she had to bring her daughter or her child with her it'd be like all right you kind of yeah this kind of ruined the momentum of the night we can't mm-hmm. do certain things with the child in the way it's it's i'm it's the a, friend who who usually has the kid and i just fucking stay home yeah they but there you go so <laughs> because you it's the home. best thing for my for my kid and my good time like I think you see what I'm saying, but you understand the construct. I, There's that's another completely different than someone my whole fucking family dying though. But here's the thing too, like this, his name being Christian. It's a movie that deals with religion. Yes, <laughs> this is a guy who is self-centered, who is doing quote unquote the right thing, but mm-hmm. not with his real feelings behind it. I mean, I don't. Th- I think that's a pretty uh, obvious commentary. He's on... phony as fuck. Yeah. yeah, he's following you. And, and that's supposed to comment, you know, comment on Christianity or what Ari Aster perceives it to be. Mm. I didn't pick that up. I, mean, I, don't think that, I don't think that that's far off. Yeah. I mean, both films are about religion. And, you know, right, right. I, I think Hereditary seems to draw a lot of lines between Christianity and the satanic religion or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, you kind of think that it's Christianity at first and then it devolves into madness. So I think, I mean, these ideas that he's playing with, like that's what I was saying earlier when... I was watching Midsummer. I was like, man, this guy really knows what he wants to say. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with his films, very much. And I, I appreciate like the allegory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I appreciate like how accessible it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things we said was really good about like Get Out, right? Mm-hmm. But it's accessible in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, and and well, but the consistent thing is that I'm enjoying the narrative and mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the symbolism too. Like right. I'm getting all of it. So you hate Jack Rayner's character. You hate him. Yeah, he's no, I don't hate him. He's just he's everything that I hate about men, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean certainly. He's I, a piece I mean of I don't, but I don't hate men. But right. there are things like that men are socialized to do that I really, really dislike, and I would really love to dismantle. But I don't hate men. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the, I, I love y'all. Y'all are great for so many other things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> like these conversations. But <laughs> well, I don't want to jump to the end of the movie yet. But I mean, we got to revisit the topic of of his character's place in the end of the movie, um, mm-hmm. and because I think there's there's a lot there, and, and he's very clearly framed as maybe the primary antagonist in this movie. And I just found myself really relating to him. 
um, and then I could see what's going on. And yeah, he's not making the right choices, but I just, I don't like the conversation around this movie that like this guy deserves what happens to him. Well, yeah. The, Why does he um, not though? Because I don't think anybody deserves. I think that's a very like American mindset though. But like, I mean, even he, even as much as I let me let me finish. Even as much as I'm like, oh my god, we have these children in cages. There are other people who are like very matter of fact about. Like, well, their parents put them in that situation, whatever. So it's just kind of like me being an American, criticizing Americans, and then doing the same American shit to this character. <laughs> like, yeah. well, you shouldn't have did that. You're going to get what you get. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, he kind of gets her in this whole situation to begin with, but it's out of compassion. I mean, he's trying to... She's the only person I really care about, though. I don't care Period. about him. I cared about all of them, even the friends that were bad. I mean, I, I cared about... William, what is his name? William Jackson Harper, because mm, I love yeah. Cheaty, but like, and he was like Cheaty, but like a real person. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys watch The Good Place, yeah, but like, you do. Yeah. He he still was like being Cheaty yeah, in the moment, yeah. but in a way that I didn't mind so much. I didn't yeah. feel like he was flat, but they. I think these characters just felt so real to me that I I got attached to them. Like yeah. as I feel like I know people like this. So even though yeah, like Will Poulter, I'm not like sad when what happens to him happens, but I was very interested and hooked with his character's story. He felt yeah. like a real person. And yeah, I guess yeah. maybe that's why people are reacting to him the way they're reacting to him, because like everyone knows him. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody yeah. knows a Will Poulter. I mean, I, I feel like... No, 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 I'm talking about Christian. Oh, Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, feel I, mean, like, I feel like every single one of these characters is mad relatable. Like, yeah. and, and, and that's, I'm sorry, I can't relate to a black man that takes drugs from strangers in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know that I guy. See, my best I friend growing it. up is that guy. And like, when, <laughs> I, when, I was watching it, when I was watching it, I was like, so y'all just gonna take drugs from strangers. Like, the fuck... Yeah. I would never. Like, yeah, I mean that's that's just wild in general. But I think he wouldn't if he wasn't like a grad student yeah. anthropologist trying to like understand this culture type of thing. I read a piece and I I don't remember where, but it was basically saying that this could be a commentary on like millennials and how we kind of have this culture of like. Oh, let's stay open minded. Let's accept everything. Let's mm-hmm. not put other people down. I can and, see it, that. and it gets all these young people in the situation where they just tolerate way too much. Way too much. Like yeah. y'all should have got out. Way earlier. Yeah. Earlier. Well, you should have never went. I well, mean, yeah. once, once you had to travel four hours from the airport to get right. to your, I would have drawn. Uh, that's kind of like when we pulled up me. in like the field and it's just a bunch of people on blankets handing me mushrooms. I would have been like, Yeah, yeah I don't think so. really the place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this the, feels the way my passport works. Like, guys, <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm straight on the mushrooms. Uh, even in America, so I'm, I'm definitely not doing them in, in Sweden. Too, but like, I'm definitely not taking drugs from strangers. Yeah. I'm not taking drugs on but a regular we, anyway, but you know but I that, like to go to Colorado. But, but whatever, happens. like I'm still not. But again, that happens. Not though. in you, my you, culture. You've gone. You, <laughs> but you, you've gone. You've gone to a party and 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 drunk liquor, right? To a house party or whatever the case not may with be. Not strangers. Right? You uh, in all the time that you've ever partied, you've never taken a drink from a stranger. I have, and I fucking regretted it. Now okay. I'm thinking about it, and I was not that young. However, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it just it like like th- this thing. This thing, if we're talking, this movie's the scale on the biggest possible fucked up situation that can happen, right? But if, when you start regressing the scale a little bit, you realize how easy it is to get in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Liquor is not mushrooms, my dude. Like, this movie, and just, I, I regretted it because I, I wasn't paying attention to how much alcohol. No, I'm listening. I regretted it because I didn't. Um, I didn't like watch how much alcohol she poured, and then like I was sick. But as far as like. I'm not taking drugs from strangers. Well, this yeah. movie is, is careful to show you all the micro-evaluations of each character. Yeah. Where, like, in each moment you see them have 
hesitation mm-hmm. and then be like, eh, no, it's fine. Yeah. And they just keep doing that to the point, and then it's eventually people start dying, and you have to, you know, suspend your disbelief yeah. a little bit. But I, I really felt like, man, that's the scary thing. Is like before you know it, you're in over your head. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and we saw that with Danny, right? Because she didn't want to take him. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was like, she she added up the whole equation. Was I, like, love I'm not that, I love that. I love that scene. It was that's a lot another... of free will happened in that scene. But wait, let's here back to Jack Rayner. Sorry, I'm getting mad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that scene, she does not want to take the drugs. Right. No. And so he. Sticks with her. Mm-hmm. He says, "I'm not going to take the drugs." And I love the scene where Will Poulter is like, "Well, dude, let me. We're we're not going to trip at the same time. It's going to be." And then Jack Rayner's like, "Okay, well, are you going to wait?" Like, he's right. very clear saying, "I'm sticking with right. my girl here. My girl. And y'all can do your thing, or you can wait for us if you want me to be a part of this." Like, I understand that Christian is not a, a likable character in the traditional sense. Yeah. I'm saying there are clearly moments where he is I don't trying. think he's meant to be like an, an unrealistic person. And I mm-hmm. think like at a certain point where you just make every decision of his a douchey decision, uh-huh. then you're like, well, why is she with this guy? Mm-hmm. Whereas we can very clearly see why she's with him. He does support her on some levels, even though it's disingenuous. What? So I think that's just, I think those are very like smart writing choices. Like I think yes. when a person is over the top evil, and yeah. it's just like, again, they become unfuckable. Yeah, and he's yeah. not unfuckable. He's, He's not unfuckable. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there was um, a great interview I listened to on the drive here um, on the Little Goldman podcast that's out from Vanity Fair, uh, where they talk with Jack Rayner, and he said that a lot of the stuff that was cut out of the movie was relationship building scenes with him and the Danny character, mm-hmm. where the main focus was to show you that these people are still in love and how they do still feel connected. And that a lot of that ended up getting cut because I think maybe they re- wanted to redirect the focus to see why they're not working. Well, so my thing is I totally got the idea that he was still in love with her. I just felt like he f- it was just too much. It was just too much for him. Like he wasn't uh, like emotionally or even at a, you know, mature, mature, maturely. Oh, yeah, he's not. Means. He's not ready for what she brings to the well, table. Well, he's planning this, this trip to go like, you know <laughs> – Mate with a bunch of Swedish broads. Like yeah. he's still living the kid life. Yeah. And she, because of her circumstances, has been forced She's a to grown up. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And 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 I feel like if 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 they had five more years, like to just like, like let me just do my thing for five he would probably be the perfect husband. You know what I'm saying? Like if he just had five years to just do his thing for a second. Um and and and, and yeah, but anyway, that's true to life. But yeah, the way so much of this movie to me deals with free will, you know, like mm-hmm. um, nobody is forced into anything mm-hmm. that I that I saw, you know what I'm saying? Man? Mm-hmm. But I could have been o- overlooking. It's like everybody made conscious decisions to do things, mm-hmm. be it, you know, a little bit of peer pressure with, you know, Danny taking the hallucinogens. But it was st- she she made a firm affirmation that she wasn't going going to do it. And she kind of recanted that because she didn't want to be the burden of the trip because she mm-hmm. already felt like the burden of the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was her choice still. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like there's, you know, there was just so much free will. Yeah. It, go ahead. It's like the willful assimilation into the community, like mm-hmm. just how naturally that kind of happened and yeah. how people kind of fall into that. Because that's what I thought was really interesting about the film. Just um, like kind of like how like in Jim Jones Town and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I find it so interesting so. to see how how <laughs> the people kind of get themselves into the situation. Get, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was yeah. Would would it? Let's talk about the. Let's talk about is it Pell or Pele? Pele. Pele. Let's talk about Pele's character for a second. Good hair. Yeah. Very good hair. <laughs> yeah, good looking man. He 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 looks like somebody I know, man. Shout out to Caleb. 
Um, <laughs> what was your interpretation of him, or how did you guys feel about him specifically? He's the most likable person in that movie. It, really? He's the one who oddly he is likable, but he yeah. kills everybody. Yeah. But I feel like okay, where is Pele versus his what was his brother's name or whatever? His brother was was bringing those uh, that couple the along Indian very people. clearly because he wanted revenge. Like he wanted them dead. And yeah. I was just oh, thinking, oh really? I didn't yeah, pick that up. He wanted to date the girl, and they went out a couple times, and she ended up hooking up with the other dude and getting serious. Oh, and he was that. just jealous of them. And so I was watching it, and I was going, okay, I see what his motive. Because I mean, you know, they're all gonna die, right? Right. So, so I was like, okay, I see his motivation for bringing them. What were they like, British? Yeah, yeah. they were British. I yeah. saw his motivation very clearly, very easily. Like once that you know that dialogue was there, right. Then I was so I started thinking I was like, well, what is Pele's motivation for this, mm-hmm. right? And I realized like his was just his devotion to his religion. Yeah, right. he's, he's right. totally so drinking the so Kool-Aid. so he was um he but like in a way there's something pure about that yeah. that he wasn't doing it for a selfish reason. He he, re- he was truly like believing in his culture. He does where, make moves on homegirl though. Yeah, yeah he, he makes does. plenty of moves. But on I her. but like her her being there was not his decision. But he was like Ooh. he welcomed yeah. it. Yeah, he welcomed. It. He he coerced it I, in a way. I, in a way, but I feel like his intentions were still pure because he felt like she could benefit the most from being there. This is interesting. I, I, I agree with that, but I think he's it, also very romantically. This is interesting to hear a woman's opinion on this, though. I'm not saying that he's like perfect or that like. He didn't want to smash, but like sex in their culture is also something different, right? Right. So, and I know I'm doing that millennial thing that I'm like mad at the characters for doing, but I'm just thinking about it. Like his, he's he seems to have the purest intentions. I think like the way we think about him making advances towards her is framed from our cultural reference, yeah. our cultural context. Whereas like when you think about their sense of community and how they operate, it's completely it's a completely different mindset. So he felt like she could benefit the most from being there. That's what he kept verbalizing. Maybe you're thinking he had ulterior motives. Right. But I just didn't perceive him to be that way. He just really, really supported his culture. So does intention or action matter to you? I think results matter. Oh. So if results matter, he should be the worst guy to you. Well, it depends on what whose goal you're supporting. Well, you're, you're no. I mean, his goal, I mean, just, if, his, if his goal in this situation, right, which which he verbalized, right. is for her to have a support system that she cl- very clearly doesn't have right. with her family that's gone now and her and her boyfriend who doesn't really like want to be with her right. and all these these other two guys who are very clearly self centered and view her as a nuisance. She stood to gain the most from the sense of community that was there, and that comes Facts. with some sacrifice. That's true. But if he if his goal was to like integrate her into the community. He reached his goal, and she did get a support system. And the scene that I actually most related to was, like, I was watching her wail Mm -hmm. after she catches her boyfriend or whatever. She's such a good crier. Yeah, she was great. I have cried like that in real life by myself. And it is such an awkward feeling to be wailing and people consoling you, but at the same time, like, freaking out that you're having such, like, I don't know, a reaction to whatever trauma you're experiencing. And I think it was really in that moment where she looked around and saw everyone like, okay, we're here with you, feeling this with you. She's never felt that before. She's never had that before. She's never had that, yeah. So, I mean, I I just thought that that was like a very realistic, like, how you could be roped into that, where she kind of realized the benefits of the situation. And it was like something that could be good for her in the short term. 
So Florence Pugh has spoken about how her reading of the end of the movie differs from the director's. And of course, Ari Aster wrote and directed this movie. Right. But she's talked about how she doesn't necessarily think that at the end, Danny has embraced the community and is throwing away Christian's life. She has described it more as like she's just so lost and overwhelmed and that she makes the only choice that she feels like she can. And that the smile at the end is not to say like, oh, she's she's in. That it's more of like just a confusion, like she's totally lost. And that's how I felt watching the movie. I think both things can exist though. Well, I because yeah. her situation is inescapable. She can't right. she can't leave. She'll yeah, she'll be killed if she doesn't. Yeah, that was, I was about to say, like she I don't think there's much of a choice for her. I but I think, you know, Ari Aster has talked about he wrote this film as a, par- a fairy tale. Uh, there's a great podcast, so I'm plugging all these podcasts, um, the, mm-hmm. the, a- the A24 podcast. Yeah, okay. Uh, there's a discussion between Ari Aster and uh, the director of The Witch, Robert Eggers. Oh, really? Yeah, I like the two like princes the of, of so horror good. films. Yeah, so they just talk about like their influences, the, their friends, and they talk about like what works in their head and whatnot. And he talks about how he views this film as a fairy tale and how to him um, the ending he wanted it to be like cathartic in a way where the audience is like, yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that way at all. At the end. I didn't feel yet. I didn't feel like, yes, but I felt like, okay, she's going to be okay. I yes. see. I, I didn't feel that way at all. I felt mm-hmm. sick to my stomach. And I actually, when I went and sat in my car after the film, I started crying a little bit just by myself. Wow. Cause I was very, this film was really upsetting to me. It was really upsetting to me too. I, I felt like, I'm not saying that she would be okay and all is right in the world. I felt like what happened to those people was really fucked up. And the people that I felt the worst for were the British people. Yeah. Because they had no idea. And I really didn't see them as having, like, done anything to him. Like, that was so wrong. She just didn't like him and she liked somebody else better. But, But, like, I really felt bad for them. You know what I'm saying? Because like these other guys are there, like I'm an anthropological study, and they were like, we're just taking a trip with our homie. I think that was such a clever bit of writing to get you to buy into why they wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Because you're all in horror films, you're always like, why are these people sticking around? But mm-hmm. he makes it so that they have a real reason. Like they're really intrigued and want to learn. Yeah. They have something to gain by staying. Right, and it's also genius to have other characters who don't have that and who do react the way that the audience would. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. that's just he. He's very clever at how he blocks his story they still points. Make very st- Stupid choices. Very much. They do. And towards the end, I, I thought that, and I was like, I was like, okay, I just gotta kind of, it's a horror film. You have to suspend disbelief. I'm I saying think. it's stupid, and now I'm like rethinking that, though, because how else, if they didn't ask to leave, how else would they have gotten out of there? Yeah. They, like four hours of like, I don't know where the fuck I am. Right. That's very with true. With no technology. Just to go back to something you said from a technical perspective, man, this film was like, purposely shot overexposed right yes the cinematography and 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 i, I was asking myself because when i first saw previews i was like why is this this film is like noticeably overexposed but that that's the conclusion i came to it created this fairy tale world mm-hmm. of like well and even know, the, the the flora and and fauna very whimsical. Whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it looks like a fairy tale it looks mm-hmm. like a fairy tale man and i just feel like you know what i you know what i i felt like this movie all right, by the time we get to the, the actual, like, the ritual and these people falling off the cliffs and smashing their faces, I kind of felt like I was roped into this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I felt like I was sort of, like, just, I don't know, just misled into being here. And it made me sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. I have this thing, like, so, all right, so just full confession. We never talked about 
We never spoke about, to me, which is probably the second best film of 2017, Good Time here. Right. Never saw it. Good Time is fucking amazing. Okay. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's a scene where a guy falls off a building. They, it's not graphic. They don't show him land or nothing like that. This scene, the way it was shot, the way it was done, it was fucking ingrained in my head yeah. mm-hmm. because of how it was presented. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is the scene I've been probably run the most in my head since I've since 2017. It has now been replaced <laughs> by what my actual fear of that scene was, yeah, which uh, was seeing the aftermath yeah. with this. This shit stressed me the fuck out, bro, yeah. because it's like, like I just thought it, they were really gonna cut away from. And it was like, yo, that was like a fucking one taker. <laughs> they, yeah. they smashed yeah. the face. Oh, he his face. They didn't die. Let's go smash his face in. Mm-hmm. Like, th- I love it. Called good time or good times. Good, good time. Good time. I thought that it was because <laughs> there's two people. The okay, brothers. and I know that they're gonna they're gonna die. And the first lady, you know, we have kind of a, a shot from the ground, and we we tilt down as she. Mm-hmm. Hits and then there's a second guy and I was like, oh, what's he gonna do with this one? Where's, the, where's gonna the camera gonna be? Uh-huh. No, but then he goes to a he goes to a like a helicopter shot. Yeah. yeah, and we watch him from above and I was yeah. like, dang, he really was like, well, we gotta have two people die so I can show all the angles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is when when Pele's character when they ask what happens when you're what seventy two or whatever, and he's like, <sighs> I was like, I knew he was serious yeah. even though he was laughing. Right. And I'm like, that's like not long before they die either. So no, like, it's not. It's yeah. like maybe two scenes. He really later. sets it up. Like I mean, and that's it's just so he dreadful. Tells them everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And what he doesn't tell them, we see. Like y'all remember the scene where like the camera's panning and it goes past these blankets oh, and it ritual, has like the... the whole everything that was about to happen to Christian's character oh, yeah. was yeah. just like was told in the story of these blankets. And I'm like, well, that storyboarded it for you. They the film, the film literally opens up with a mural. It that it just yeah, sits on too. for like ten seconds. And there's like a there's like a there's like a bear. If you look in her house, there's yep. a picture yep. of a bear, and it's like a girl petting a bear. There's great the breakdowns f- online of all the paintings and how they. Uh, that, but that made me like go back and watch Hereditary and like look at all the shit. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this about Ari too, man. I really want to know his background as as an artist because he did he the the like the opening shot to Hereditary. How it, it started off as like one of those like. Um, displays it started off as like a model display mm-hmm. and the camera kind of like flies in and then it turns into the real thing mm-hmm. his his visual effects team is yeah. fucking nuts bro mm-hmm. like it's fucking nuts and it's i think it's so scary to to be in the genre of horror and to have very seamless visual effects like that because you can literally do anything. There's very subtle VFX on people's faces when they're tripping on uh, mushrooms yeah, in this movie. Yeah, that was they pretty warp cool. People, like they pull people's eyes apart mm. and make their faces look very subtly inhuman. And it's like people sometimes in the deep background yeah. who they've still messed with their faces and it all just adds to the... Wow. I mean, and even like things that... This is a little less subtle, but the flower breathing on her, yeah, right, that was her cool. head thing. That yeah, was I mean, dope. it's just really well thought out and and yeah. imagined. Yeah. Um, uh, Stan, how did this movie make y'all feel, man? It was just, uh, to use a, to borrow a, a phrase from Chandler's viscerally upsetting, which I generally enjoy, but like this just made me really queasy. Yeah, yeah. I felt nauseous too. Yeah, I felt yeah. tense the whole time. It's like being on a roller coaster right before the drop, but for like the whole damn movie. For two movie. and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like I looked through my fingers a couple times, like a yeah. whole bitch. Like yeah. I, I was just like, um, Right. I don't know what's gonna happen. I want to know, but like I don't like it. 
Yeah. Which mm-hmm. normally when I'm watching horror movies, I'm like, oh, this is disgusting and it's great. Like, no, 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 no. I was telling Jesse as we walked in here, like, I love horror films. I have a strong stomach for them. I'm not usually upset by what I see in a film. But this movie, I really considered, like, do I need to take a step out and, like, go to the water fountain or whatever, like, just to get away? Because I really felt suffocated by yes. the the whole experience. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the right word, suffocated for sure. Yeah, it it was it was oh man, it's just like you know you're in a car with some of your homies and 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 they have some intentions to do something and you have mm-hmm. no fucking clue and then it goes mm-hmm. down and you it's like yo, I'm fucking stuck. Like uh-huh. I felt 4 hours away from the airport. Yep. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? This this movie really dropped you off there and, and as much as i as much as i could not stand these men like i did not want them to die um will poulter <laughs> i was really funny was, though the only, the only regret so is that funny. we didn't see it happen for me yeah. personally but um you know just a movie if he was a real person i wouldn't feel this way just to I, clarify disclaimer the yeah well the <laughs> listeners i do just in case someone was a detective or something now but. what was and i'm so sorry for this what was the black guy's name the character Josh. Uh, Josh. oh you got the paper in front of you so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're you right racist we you have are, printouts <laughs> <laughs> we have printouts and i totally just pulled yeah. it it was okay. josh yeah. that's all right it's honest um <laughs> josh uh i liked him a lot i did too uh you know the the <laughs> He's very serious. They point in a lot of the earlier scenes, like he's not having fun. Yeah. He's like mm-hmm. the real stick in the mud of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I found myself like, kind of like latching on to him because mm-hmm. he seemed like okay, this guy's the smartest. Mm-hmm. He's the character I want to. You should really watch <laughs> the Good Place. It's, Is that the one with like Ted what's Danson? Her name? Ted Danson and Kristen. What's her name? Stewart. Chris Stewart. Yeah, no, 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 not Stewart. Not Chris and Stewart. Stewart. No. no, the Girl one that's from married to Dex. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Monica Mars. That. Oh, that's not Kristen Chris, Stewart. Yeah. I guess Shepherd. that's the girl that's from from Lincoln. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kristen. <laughs> She's married to Dex. Yeah. This is yeah. very misogynist. Shepard is. I'm just gonna call her Shepard because yeah. that's his name. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I really, I was like, okay, if anyone's gonna get them out of this situation, it's Josh. And then. Yeah, his like intellectualness and and the way that he's just so like, no, I'm just gonna like stay and figure this out. Like that, of course, that's his undoing. Well, you know what's funny? I, I really did like his character. He did something that it was so it was so subtle, and I I wonder if you guys caught on to it. He did something that like sometimes I hate when people do, which was. He's a scholastic, right? He understands this culture from what he's read. Mm-hmm. And then he comes into this situation. He's talking to the people that are actually engaged in it. And he's talking about it like he knows more than they do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's the th- the such and such thing, right? And they get Where, kind of offended a little bit. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I would too. It's like, yeah. yo, bro, like, you know, you know what you're an academic bro you're talking to the motherfucker okay like you, like you listen to what I'm saying you, you talking to a real nigga yeah you talking to a real nigga you don't try to like double double talk me he, he and, postures a lot yeah. there's even the scene right after the old people die um, mm-hmm. where I think it's him and, uh, and Christian are talking and he's like are you okay and he's like yeah I'm good I'm, I'm good yeah. I'm fine he was like, trying. He was trying so very hard to see this through the lens of an academic, yes. like you said. Right. Um, which I don't think was. Which I, I don't think, think was he, wrong. I, the irony of him being black was not lost on me. Like, yeah. In that situation, just because um, 
a lot of times like that's the position that the western world like does with cultures outside of that to just mm. be like well what can i take away from this for my benefit as opposed to like i'm trying to understand these people just for the sake of like their humanity being different from mine wow what can i take away that's really interesting yeah, yeah it's kind of a flip-flop he's the the explorer exactly. in their society that but, is not an original thought that is gloria steinem but, but anyway <laughs> but, but you know what's crazy is i had an opposite experience i thought even though i just said you know he kind of had that whole intellectual posturing thing I felt like he was more apathetic to it because he understood it so it, I, I didn't feel like he wanted to change anything about the environment I, that's not at all what I'm saying oh okay I'm saying okay I misread what, what you're how saying how he could benefit and what it, he was writing his thesis oh facts well yeah facts. and I mean just yeah, with yeah, him yeah. taking the pictures I mean yeah. that's the, the ultimate selfish act that and they told yeah. him not to and they told yeah. him not to he could he was he did like to me that's no different than that Maze Runner shit where they were stealing stuff and then like they all got sick. Mm, now, yeah. I, I didn't see Maze Runner, which is crazy. No, no, no. I, this, that I, happened in real life. I try to see the, the best picture winner from every year, and I just I didn't get to Maze Runner. Like, You're funny. <laughs> You're funny. But like, but, like, you know, just them them getting his getting, getting his comeuppance for not respecting the culture. Right. Um, and then his thesis was out-colonized by, <laughs> by Christian. Yeah. That was not lost well, that on me was not, either. There you go. I was about to say, and now that we're his, speaking. Also, with his name being Christian and that being... The, yeah, the way that he approached, the way that he approached it. The it. Yeah, yeah, that was um, you know, now that you've opened up that can, um, uh, Chandler. I, yeah, that that scene made a lot of sense. Now, you know, it's like, uh, just I'm gonna be the, I don't know, man. That I didn't. I'd, so I didn't graduate college, so I never made it to the whole thesis phase. Hey, me neither, man. That's yeah. not even graduating right, college. You do that when you get a PhD. So oh, okay. None of us are there. Okay, great. Because <laughs> so, I didn't, so therefore, I didn't really understand the gravity of how serious that was. Is that a bad thing? Two people doing a thesis on the same thing? It was really, really a shiesty move. Like, and him being like, you should just be okay with this was a really, really fucking douchebag thing yeah. to do. Because he was lost. And he saw, like, how... He knew how much that would mean for Joshua, who right. was really, really committed in doing the work. Yeah. And he just was like, well, I'm just going to hop on your back and ride your train. That was a really fucked up thing yeah. to do. Right. He could have found something else to write about. So was it fucked up of Pele to kind of, like, allow him to do that as well or to give him his blessings to no, do it? No, it wasn't fucked up of Pele because Pele was going to kill all of them anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so... I feel so like he lied. About... I feel like he lied, though, like... To yeah. them. And he was like, okay, they said it was fine, but like, they may have, they may not have. Again, like to me, he was the most likable. Not not in the sense that he was a good person necessarily, because a good person is objective, right? But like, I think he's the scariest because he's so, so it, it's all under the guy. Yeah, he's so it's nice. Not a guy's though. He really believes the things that he's doing. Yeah, but he knows he is also aware that he's willfully manipulating his yeah. friends. And and let's and let's take it a step further. But they're not people to him. Let's take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. He attended college in America, right? Mm -hmm. So he understands he understands the foreign element of this, right? So, like, to me, that's deceptive in a, in a sense because it's like, because you understand your culture and you understand where you come from, but you're living amongst people that do not understand that and still you lead them to that place. That, in a, in a sense, that's almost the... I mean, it's kind of the same thing that we... I think that's we, a commentary also in America, like... But what on America, though? I think we're manipulated by people leading us and they don't live in the same world that we live in on a, like on a daily basis. Hmm. Well, we I'm don't talking have to about go politics too deep. and people who have power. 
Okay. And just the dramatic irony of the rooms that they're in when decisions are being made and what those things actually look like and then what they allow us to see. Hmm. So I had a conversation with someone yesterday was like, why can't Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi like sit down and have a conversation and be civil? And I was like, what I don't think you realize is that they probably do. Right. And they probably do it all the time. And I think like I've heard that, that like all these guys are buddies. Right. Even though you see them like it's like football for them. Hmm. All these guys are buddies. Right. Right. It was, it was the most real to me when I watched the documentary on John McCain when he passed away. Mm-hmm. The people speaking the most highly of him were Joe Biden and Obama. Mm. They were speaking so much more highly of him. And, and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Like People that shouldn't be. Well, the opposite party. They were, I would just say, like, I felt the admiration from the Republican Party. Right. But, like, the Democrats in the documentary seemed to, like, really, like, respect him. Right. Well, there's a, there's a great video from a campaign rally for McCain where he's like taking questions and this old white lady says something about Obama. Yeah, she says something about Obama being... He's an Arab. Right, and then he cuts her off. And he's He's like, like, no, he's a good man. Yeah, Yeah. he's like, look, we don't agree politically, but you're not going to talk about him that way. And he gets booed That's That's a man to me, right? Exactly. I get emotional thinking about McCain for that reason. I fuck with McCain for that reason. He seemed to have like a good moral compass and would admit when he was wrong. Like, And all my friends are like, when I said that, all my friends are like throwing their shoes at me, but whatever, fuck y'all. I think for, honestly, I feel like that's the single most important thing you can just be as a person. Just like, just admit when you're wrong. You're going to be wrong. And you're going to be wrong. You're going to be wrong. You can always handle things differently and sometimes better. But I said that to say this, like, we live in that situation now that the people actually in control of the situation are keeping things from us. And there's such a sense of, like, dramatic irony that they live in that, like, we know nothing about. I don't think that that's, like... But see, that's, that's what makes, to me, it makes your position even weirder. Because your perception of the people that have all the information, I would assume, right? What we're talking about from no, the government standpoint. No, I didn't standpoint. say that. I said Pele. <laughs> yeah, I'm not but, saying but that if, I think that people in power have pure intentions that they necessarily really okay, believe so what they're Pele, saying. So Pele's I'm saying Pele as move. a character, and I'm saying that there's maybe like some parallels there. But no, at no point am I like the people in power have like the purest intentions because they believe all their bullshit. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think there's something very malicious about this religion the harga or whatever they're called like yes they are all about like love and protecting their own but when it comes to these outsiders they have hatred and maliciousness do you feel that way about religion in general though um i mean i don't know i don't want i don't feel that way about all religion no and i you know i, don't, I can only think of one that i don't, I don't want that way about i don't want to get overly the, political no i mean i can only think of one that i don't feel well i'm just i'm it's not even that me saying that I just want you to think because I'm thinking and like my brain does that when I get in this room for whatever reason. But <laughs> but like I can't outside of like Buddhists, I can't think of a religion that I don't feel that way about. Yeah. And I yeah. am a Christian. Well, I'm just saying <laughs> so. as much as as much as there is compassion for Florence Pugh's character, like at the end of the movie, uh-huh. uh, which I still found super unsettling. I would never want anybody to do that for me. Let me be by myself when I get emotional. I don't need anybody mirroring my breathing or screaming in my face. But as much as there is that element to this religion, there's also the very ugly side where like, they lure these people in and deceive them to kill them for their own benefit. And it's all presented as like, oh, this is just part of life, yeah. right? But it, no, it's not. I mean, they, they need to do this in order to persist. Yes. Well, it, the most popular religions in the world, I, I feel the same way, and I'm part of one. Yeah. 
I'm just saying. I think there's a cult-like mentality to any religion. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. The yeah. point at which we label it a cult is just when... When it's not me. Right. When yeah. the majority agrees that it goes too far, then we label it a cult. But that mm-hmm. those tendencies exist in any sort in of every, group. In every, in every, yeah, in every any, sort yeah, of Where there's like, a herd mentality. Yeah. Of, like, this is just Politics, what we're going to accept. Exactly. Yeah, that. these are the rules we're going to set. This is, you know what I mean? It's all, it's all arbitrary. Yeah. That organized fucking. You're shit. saying all the things. I'm here. I'm dialed yeah. into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to take it. So, I'm, I'm just not so convinced. I, I, I'm riding with you that like I feel like Pele's intentions for Danny were somewhat pure. From the context of his culture. From the context of his culture, but not I, not but, from the context of mine. Right, but I but I also think even within the context of his culture, there was also a, a selfish benefit as well. Because yeah, because they kind of saw because didn't they sort of label him as like he a, brings the best people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like sort of like a what do they what do they call that like like not a prophet but. Uh, like he has some sort of foresight vision, you know, because he was able to manifest this. You know, he knew where this. What did they call her? The flower. The May Queen. May Queen. May Queen. Yeah, like he was able to sort of manifest this May Queen. I think that put him in sort of a visionary. It, it put him in a certain hierarchy I within his cult. Think that Pele is a visionary. Yeah. I def- like I I and I feel like unpacking the movie when she said she was coming, and he like clearly, very clearly, like. I love when people act with their bodies. Right. He very clearly like shifted in his seat to to kind of uh, display like this epiphany or paradigm shift about like this trip and what it could mean for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, when I first watched him do that, I felt like okay, he hates her and he wants her to die. Whereas by the end of the movie, it felt more like he really wanted to bring her into his culture. In a way that he thought, from his his um, vantage point, would benefit her. Oh well, I so I just see it as a different. I, I I understand how you arrived there. I see it as he saw an opportunity and manipulated it, right? Because like, wasn't there? Like, and, and I feel like it was very intentional when the whole round robin. The when we first see the guys together at the table and they're talking the whole round robin about the situation, he's just very you know he's not saying much. He's just kind of listening. He was that way the whole time. He was that way the whole time, but and he asserted he would speak himself. When they would spoke to, was spoken to. But there was there was a lot of like okay, so the second time we see him when they're inside the apartment and he's drawing and she comes in and he closes it. You know he kind of like like there was there was there was. To me, there was a lot of acting with his body more so than the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, there was. To me, there was a lot of selfish intention there, and I think he just kind of preyed on a situation. I think that person, like, I don't think that person was specifically Danny. Obviously, he was already drawing the May Queen and the situation like that exists. So now it's just finding somebody who fits into that rubbish, somebody who would, you know, who. You know, there would have been a May Queen whether yeah, she was there or not. Exactly. So, so, so to me, that's what makes it a little bit manipulative. Is that he was like, it's a lot manipulative, yeah. but that's the nature of religion. Uh, right. So, but but having said that, I, I I don't feel like his intentions were all the way pure. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, I feel like I feel like I see how it could be seen as that for sure. I'm, but I don't think he's as clean. His hands are not as clean. I'm as, not by no means am I saying his okay. hands are clean. I okay. think a lot of people do things under the guise of religion yeah. just because it, it it makes them feel like they're a good person or whatever. I think he actually believed 
the things that he was doing were right. I think some of us do things in the name of religion knowing that they're wrong, but this is just whatever. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think that he actually felt like what he was doing was wrong. I think he actually did believe that he was helping her. That's what I mean when I say his intentions are pure. Not that there was nothing wrong with what he was doing. Mm, okay, so so I, my argument is different. I don't think he I don't think he was looking to help her per se. I think he was looking to fulfill what hit the prophecy he wanted to be to fulfill and be seen as a certain but that's just where i stand so you it. think that he was still operating from a place of ego 100 percent. okay uh, that, that's what i feel I could, like. I could see i could see i mean that's a that's that's a fair argument i don't feel like it's baseless yeah. it's just not the way i perceive right. it right but that that to me is the masterful thing about this movie is mm-hmm. like it there's a position wherever you stand and it, and it it's, changes it, it changes it's so like everybody has a it is. But just how did he capture all of that into a two-hour, first of all, fucking Godfather length. <laughs> to, to how did he capture that into a fucking cinematic experience? This is why, like... So dope, man. Like, art and nurturing that that seed in someone is so important because we don't place a whole lot of value on that type of brain. You yeah. know what I mean? But look at what it can do. Yeah, yeah. And look at, look at, like, how much it's making us think and examine ourselves and examine our own experiences just as human beings from an anthropological perspective, right? right? Uh, anthropological, anthropological perspective yeah. that, like, we just want to see a damn movie. Like, facts, <laughs> you know what I mean? Facts. But, but you, did y'all kind of feel like walking into this, it was more than a movie? Y'all felt like that way, too? Mm-hmm. That it was going to be more than just a... No, not necessarily. I mean, I had a lot of anticipation just because I remembered Hereditary, and I'm very interested in what this this auteur has to say. Right, right. Um, mm. So I, I, not more than a movie so much, but I knew that the movie would have some messaging to mm. unpack, and a lot of it. And like, I'm, I'm processing always, like in life, my mm. brain is doing that, but it wasn't something that I necessarily expected to have so much layering upon layering upon layering of messaging, but in a way that was so digest, like digestible. And I think that the reason that Jordan Peele probably reacted to the film, the way he reacted is because that has been his intention with his movie. And this guy did it so masterfully in a way that like impressed him. Yes, 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 yes. But it didn't feel like, cheap versions of each other yeah yeah well yeah these got this them two together in horror um just kind of reminds me of that uh that whole era where we had like spielberg george lucas and you know what those guys did they for like the better. imagination yeah, yeah, Cameron, for, yeah. For, for, for i mean i would fiction. i would put robert eggers in that conversation as well and, and Speaking of uh, Robert Pattinson, you know his next film is called uh, The Lighthouse. Oh, it's and not Batman. No, well, <laughs> it, it, it's uh, this Ooh, movie has been fuck. this Jesus. movie has been screened at some uh, at some festivals. It's called The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Eggers, guy who did, made The Witch. It's him and uh, and what's his name, Willem Dafoe, Ooh, no. and it's shot in like not quite Academy ratio, but it's like a, more like a four by three. It's in black and white, and it's like another kind of you know uh, gothic horror type thing. Interesting. And I think that I, I would consider like Eggers and uh, Ari Aster as like the champions of this art horror m- movement that's oh. going. I think Jordan Peele is closely related to that, but he's more on the popcorn studio, like bigger movie side of it. Right. Oh, and, and I'll follow you there. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, did you ever, did you see the Spielberg ex- documentary? Why does, yes. Why does oh, that, on HBO. I'm sorry. Why does that exclude him from the conversation? It doesn't exclude. No, I'm appeal. saying, no, I'm saying that it's, he does. He's. They're all in this together. 
I don't. I look. I love popcorn films. I talk at length <laughs> about like Avengers and Star Wars movies. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You're one not. Of those you're not. People. You're not like being a snob, is what you're saying. No, I'm not being a snob at all. I love popcorn films, and okay. I love Jordan. I love what Jordan Peele's doing. I think these guys make different kinds of movies. It doesn't mean they're not interested in telling the same kinds of stories. You know? They are the same kinds of stories, but to your point, they're extremely tonally different. Right, and that that's the difference here. And I, mean, I think Jordan... there's less of a difference between Aster and Eggers than there is between Jordan Peele and the two of them. Right, exactly. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And, and, that, and that just reminds me of, like I said, that era. It was like Spielberg, you had George Lucas, then you also had like Coppola. It, it's like these guys that just understood the art form they were dealing Kubrick. with. But, but I'm talking about this specific group that like really hung together. Oh, yeah. you're saying I, they were like boys. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I could just see I, I see I see where well, who else what was it, the guy who um there's another guy. There's uh De Palma. De Palma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were just like this very close knit before any of them guys. were famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I, I just see this as like being almost like a rendition of that. Um I don't know how close they are, but you know, when you when you look at the Jordan Pill quote when he's ta- he talks about uh because he praised this film. Honestly, that's probably the biggest thing. I, Th- like, that is the reason I wanted to see That's the reason it. why I wanted to see it. Because I was like, okay, Jordan Peele said it was good, and he's a fucking genius. Yeah. So it's not no bullshit. I, I was already on the Astor train because of Hereditary. But this one, I like, I, I like. had I not seen this praise from Jordan Peele, I could have waited for, like, you know, streaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had, I feel like I had to see it because Jordan Peele gave it so much uh, of, of a high praise. And, um, you know, to... Even, you know, I, I kind of like took all these, you know, I took the story and kind of took out all the literary stuff and just dealt with the quotes of exactly what Jordan Peele was saying. Um, just reading the three paragraphs that I put together from what he said, man, it, he just really got to the, he just really got to the nutrients, I, I feel like, that that made this film different. You know, um, uh, when he talks about... Uh, where was it? I had it highlighted. Um, yeah, everybody, turn to page two. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm, reading material. I'm reading specifically quoted from the stuff that Jordan Pill said. He said, uh, "He said that was some of the most atrociously disturbing imagery I've ever seen on film, and yet I experienced it with an open mouth, wide eyed, or wild eyed gape." And and that's kind of that's so real, man. It's like the way this movie was shot. Mm-hmm. was obviously, you know, a style choice to service the emotion that Ari Aster wanted us to have. We talked about that being, you know, this very fairy tale land, but that's also what softened the blow for a lot of this, like, fucking grotesque yeah. imagery that we saw, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I thought the most dazzling camera move in terms of, like, illustrating a character's emotional state was when... Danny has to get up from the couch when she's talking to to Pele, mm-hmm. and it's like a it's a god cam kind of shot, like mm-hmm. we're straight down, mm-hmm. and she walks into a room, and then we move, and then we see, oh, we've jumped forward in time. We're in the airplane bathroom. They're on the way, and she that was yeah. such a smart yeah. shot, incredible. Yeah. And that's in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah. but that is just an incredible shot, and was so efficient and moving the story, but also really illustrated. Her emotional space, and I'm just, that's to me like little things like that is where I'm like, this guy breathes cinema. He's a like, craftsman. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just to be able to think that up, and it's so concise, and it's exact. It's there's no better shot that you could put there. Yeah. 
Um, and I was, that was like really dazzling yeah. to me. Yeah, I agree. That was it was really dope. I I, I found myself saying it a lot in this film though. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that was so fucking dope. Mm-hmm. You know, I I know we're we're all very close to the filmmaking sector, man. So it's kind of hard to watch movies and not think about. Yeah, those kind of things. Um, I just, I really love the comedy in it too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think one of my favorite parts was, um, I think it was towards the end where he was tripping. Uh, I guess uh, what's his name, Christian was tripping, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're having a May Queen ceremony, and he had drank the um, juice or whatever, so he's tripping, right? And so he goes to the old man next to him. He was like, "Yo, I don't know, I don't know what's happening to me." And the old man just claps. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that shit was yeah, so that was funny. Yeah. I was like, yo. Can we talk about what happens to to Christian? And, you know, not with the final ceremony, I but I think we can. Go, I think we are far enough into the conversation where we can. During the May Queen thing, you know, he's having this parallel journey, right. which to me, you know, I mean, it ends up obviously with him doing this mating ceremony. I felt as if he was a victim here, and so when he goes into that mating ceremony, I didn't read it as him like. This is something he wanted. Mm-hmm. I think the movie makes it clear that he's he's, he's so under the influence of drugs. He's, he's being in a spell. Co- yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's you can see it in his eyes. He's lost, and he's kind of just yeah. He's coerced. He's led right in there, and it's like he's almost like on autopilot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's so. When I brought up the whole when the camera pan past those past the those quilts. Mm-hmm. It, 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 t- it was telling you what the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was he was you know and then I don't know if y'all remember there was a scene all the dinner table scenes were just very interesting man but there was one specifically with the drinks everybody had like yellow drinks his, his, his was a little twinged his was a little twinged but you know so so here's the thing though like were they drinking shrooms the entire time they were there I think it was different types of drugs yeah I think there's a cocktail of drugs the whole because I knew that they were drinking things but it until you see like the pestle and mortar then it's just like i knew like okay in this next scene they're about to drug drug them mm-hmm. but i i just was wondering like okay what were they doing the entire time right well whatever's christians was it was with a little bit of grenadine <laughs> slash yeah. uh menstrual <laughs> you know, i just felt so <laughs> sorry for like, him it, the moment that that mating ceremony is done yeah and he kind of comes to and it, he runs out, and he's, I mean, I just felt sad for the guy. Yeah. And it's so this vindictive read on the end of the movie, you know, and obviously Florence Pugh witnesses him doing this, and she feels so betrayed, and mm. she is betrayed, of course. Mm. But it's like, if she really understood, it's like, he didn't want this. Well, yeah. I like I like that, um, like, there's an earlier scene where he's called into, like, this room with, like, the main head priestess. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, yeah, this girl wants to hook up with you. And he was like, yeah, I think she put pubes in my drink. Right. <laughs> he so, he's, not, he's not taking it seriously. Like, right. she's telling him, no, this is going to happen. Yeah. He just didn't take it seriously enough, I think. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That, even that, man. Like, how much Ari Aster let the, the audience into the... It was... Like you said, the blocking, man. Yeah, uh, it was just I don't I don't even know how you plan for that. You understand what I'm saying? It's like you got to write the script with a psychologist on deck. Like right. I need you to read this and tell me how people are supposed to feel. And there's just so much that went into this, man. I'm you know. So so at the end, where Will Poulter's character's skinned body is now dressed like the fool. Yeah. What are those What are those classic like? Uh, story tropes where there's like different people like there's like 
what are they? I feel like y'all should know this. You film people. Um, keep going. It's like it, archetypes. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I have because I was trying to pay to... paying attention to how they're dressed when they're about to be burned. Their bodies are okay. And Will Poulter being dressed like the fool. I'm like, I think there's like the hero, and then like there's different people. Okay. Who are archetypes? Um, thank you, because that's the word I was searching for. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Within stories. Mm -hmm. I think, like, the most obvious place where I've seen this laid out in a movie is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. yeah. So, I'm, I'm like... R.I.P. Joss Whedon's career. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like who, is, who is who in this story? Because I do, I do feel like what you're saying, I do feel like he's a victim there, but I do still feel like the ways that... Um, he interacted with that girl, and some instances were very intentional. Well, it's yeah. it's but maybe he just went too far. It's For the sure. it's the horror movie thing of like that's what he thought he wanted was like you know go overseas and do a bunch of drugs and sleep with a lot of women. But there are and consequences, it, right? And he gets that in the worst possible way. It's yeah. like you know when you make the wish with the genie and you get it mm -hmm. technically, but it's like not what you meant at all. <laughs> but and and I like that. Yeah, I can just relate to him. I, I I relate in the sense of like I understand that that's what young men want, and this guy clearly is in over his head in this relationship. But like I I overwhelmingly felt sorry for him at the end, mm -hmm. and you know he's in this that final table scene where she's the May Queen, and he's sitting so distant from her. He's looking, trying to reach out to her, but at that point she's been taken from him, you know, because she's been she's adopted by this community, and he's left out. Obviously, they don't really want him around. They want her, though. Right, and he and so he realizes, like, okay, I've lost everything. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. And so that's why when they lay the flower petals on the ground, and he's you know, pretty much sanity destroyed at that point, and he just kind of zombie walks into this mating ceremony. Like, I just felt sorry for him. And, and so I guess that's why I didn't feel, like, good when she chooses him to burn. Have you ever seen The Wicker Man? The original? No, I've not. Did I've seen see a great Nicholas? super... No, I've seen a super cut of the Nicolas Cage version <laughs> oh, where he, boy. like, every time he yells... The original is a <laughs> fucking musical. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> and I did wow. not know that. I watched the Nicolas Cage version. Um, what is the older actress in that movie? She's in, um, why can I not think of her damn name? Not Judy Dench. Not, no, she's American. <laughs> um, she's in um, Interstellar. What is her name? Oh, I know who you talk about. She's Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, Ellen Burstyn. Oh. Yep, yep, yep. And of course I say Interstellar instead of Exorcist, which is way more of a But anyway, um, Ellen Burstyn is like the same kind of like matriarchal figure. And the whole idea is that they're bees. Like if bees were people. Yeah. And so drones are just there to make children. Like mm. we don't give a fuck about you in real yeah. life. Um, you can die after that. But it it... There was so many like parallels between those kinds of movies, like about him being they, them being led there under false pretenses and like had giving him like motivation to stay there. But yes, to to be honest, the Nicolas Cage version of that movie is the better version. What? Wow. I don't think that's a popular opinion at even, all. Even, go watch. Go watch. The original be... one is like unnerving because they're singing the whole time while yeah. they're doing this shit. I got to do a little Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I didn't crazy. say that the movie was good. I said version. it's the better version. I just never heard that in a sentence with right. Nicolas Cage all at the same time. Um, okay, the old one has an 88 on Rotten Tomatoes. It is creepy. But and you, the Nicolas Cage version has... Okay, let's take bets. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's probably very low. What, like what? 
56, 25. 15. Oh, Dang. wow. 15. For oh, me, no, I, I enjoyed it more. Maybe people like how upsetting it is to people see people sing and then like sacrifice humans. I don't know. But when I say it's a musical, it is like the same story I just told you. Like Gene Kelly? Like. No, it's like Jesus Christ Superstar. Like oh, that's wow. or like Godspell. Like that's the tonality of the music. They're like dancing around in a wow. pub, and we're gonna burn this nigga later. Like, <laughs> out of curiosity, just going back to what you said, Chandler, with his sense of isolation. Do you feel like that's kind of a role reversal, where it's like hundred percent? Yeah, where where Danny felt that way at the beginning, um, and this is now he's now getting a chance to see what it's like in Danny's shoes to yeah. some degree. And, well, and, and the thing is, the person he's he's like trying to disconnect from, in theory, that his friends are encouraging him to disconnect right. from, is the person he that's his lifeline. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same. I mean, it's the same way. Now he's he's trying to link to her for because she's all he has left, and her community is pushing him out. Mm-hmm. And he way. is all she has left at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very clever, and I guess so. In, in the same way that I feel sorry for her. I, I also feel sorry for him, even though, yeah, a lot of it's of his doing, and he's not, he uh, very clearly has made some mistakes with how he treats his significant other and, and how he lives his life. But I don't even think he cared for his friends that much either, because after his friends just di- disappeared, he was like, oh, those guys are assholes. Oh, I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he like, like <laughs> disowns them. Yeah. Not a good person, but no, like, not people a good are person. people. Yes, and I, he felt so real to me. And I think. He felt real. He felt very real. I have a a complicated relationship history myself, and I have done some of the things that that he's done in terms of, you know, the way that you treat people. I was waiting for you to say this the entire time. I think a lot of, (laughs) and I'm not speaking for every man in this room, but I personally feel that a lot of men, if pressed, would say that... they can see parts of their past in in this. For game. sure, yeah, we for sure. And like that like, is just. I was sure. just. I'm proud of you, Chandler, because yeah. I was just waiting for you to say that. I was like, he feels sorry for this guy because he's done some fucked up. I mean, I, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, like after the movie, you know, I'm reading other people's interpretations, and I I felt hurt that so many people just demonize this guy. And that they saw you were so way. refreshingly yeah. I think, honest. Yeah. Well, I'm because like, I was like, I, did, I didn't read it that way. And so when people are like, yeah, the end of the movie is like... It made you like do some introspection? And I, it, you know, and at first I felt bad for a few days. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just a bad dude. And I, this movie is not for me because I'm, a, I'm the bad dude that this movie's taken down. But now I've kind of come around and I actually think that it's okay to have the read that I have. Yeah. Um, because I, like hearing Florence Pugh has a more complicated read on the situation. Jack Rayner has a more complicated read on the character. It does. You don't have to view the end of the movie as this, uh, you know, catharsis, really. Because it wasn't for me. It yeah. left me more upset, and it didn't tie it all together. Yeah. yeah, like, do you think... I felt like it was very tidy. It's not... No, I've left feeling just upset. And, like, yeah, the story's over. I did, over. too, but it felt tidy. It felt like it was the ultimate cliffhanger, where I'm like, this... What horrible things happen after Yeah, this? like, I'm, I wonder... Um, <laughs> I wonder if you take her and, like, take her out of this situation and then put her on the street, is she still going to have those same, like, issues? Or do you feel like she's really found a community? Because I I feel like she's just trading her codependency codependency with her boyfriend for this community. But I think the community has a structure that would be beneficial That is true. But I don't view that as a happy thing. I think it's a I don't necessarily think it's a happy thing, but I think, like, there's been so much unpredictability and trauma in her life that the level of structure that they have there, even then, to, like, I know what's going to happen. 
I, I guess maybe if I had to get an ending message from this movie, and I, maybe that's what I've struggled with is what it, what's what am I supposed to be left with? I think I would take away like this movie is illustrating how when someone is so isolated and lost, they can they can be victim to any kind of suggestion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, see, I found myself saying that like I found myself dealing with the, like. I said, okay, now she, her grief. You know, she was she she's been able to properly grieve and to move past this. But then I also found myself saying that, like, I feel like when your life has a certain amount of resistance and obstacles to it, you can't. It's really hard to assimilate in something that is good for you. So, were you able to to like pinpoint her stages of grief? Because she definitely ends on acceptance. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Well, I didn't pinpoint them all the way. I just I to me the ending represented her getting over her grief to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so I but I didn't pinpoint all the stages like, you know, denial this this this. I didn't do all that. I was just like, "Oh, she's over her grief." But I immediately found myself saying like this this community still not going to be good for her because there is not enough it's it's like you know taking somebody off heroin like fresh off you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like just cold turkey mm-hmm. like there's gonna be a very hard transitional period and I just felt like that like what what is this transitional period you know for this community because this, outside of this this ritual that happens every however many years it seems like it's a very yet. calm community like mm-hmm. everybody knows their place mm-hmm. there's no real turmoil you know they're nice and isolated every, just everybody has a mission. And she still does not, ha- you know. I mean, she's tagged with the May yeah, Queen, she's, but she's she's anxiety. But I don't know if like, like I said, the structure and just knowing they all know what's coming, right? At every stage of their life, right. they know what's coming. There's there's very little un- like unpredictability to their lives, whereas hers was her life was just yeah very unpredictable before. So there may be like some solace in that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying she's necessarily better off, but I'm saying that there's a there's a possibility that she might be. Well, that the structure that particular structure in comparison to the structure of Christian as her boyfriend in in a in a in a murdered family, it, if you had to choose the two, obviously that one's better for her. Um but that's just eliminating a whole I mean, there are many, there are a many other, of, other possibilities. Uh, other options. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's definitely the lesser of two evils in this situation. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, if this thing wanted to extend into a part two, I could think of a lot of ways where it could go bad. You I know? feel like, though, that like, Making a part two is just like hostile. Like we don't need it. Oh you know, yeah, no, we definitely don't need it. Please don't. You know, a twenty four. But a twenty four is better than that. Yeah, they're they're smarter than that. Well, they could do it like ninety years in the future. <laughs> it is like space. Be like a sci fi movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, Did you guys like when they they put uh, Christian in in the bear suit? Because I, I personally like I found that scene really unbearable. Oh, that was. It was just when weird. they were skinning the bear, I, I, or just seeing him in this bear skin. I'll just let my joke sit there. And <laughs> some some listeners will get it. And <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What do you City think the bear boys, means, though? City boys yeah. down twenty points after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, I, I, I got it. What it is took the me bear? a second, but I did get it. But what is the bear? The, what do you think the significance is in the symbolism? I think, well, I think somebody said the bear is like a predator, and they it's like they're burning their predator, or they're burning this evil spirit to protect their um. To protect their community, mm. I think that's part of it. Mm. Now there were because there's nine people that get burned, and I, you know, four of them are, are heroes, right, from America. Well, five, six, 
Well, no, because the two of them are the British people. Uh-huh. So that's, that's six, right? And then the two guys who are still alive in there. Uh-huh. So that's eight. Plus the two old people get burned, too. But they were there. But the old dead. the old people oh, yeah. who were they in were, there, what them dying was outside of whatever. Yes, because the old people that are in there, the, they their heads are still intact. So who were the other people who were in there? They said who they were, but they were like that wasn't significant. That the the last person was. I just didn't like that that we throw in two extra dead bodies. Mm-hmm. I was confused. That's probably why we need the extra. Wait, well, I thought minutes. it was. I thought <laughs> it was uh, okay. There's there's Christian. There's the other two anthropologists. There's the two Brits, that's five right there. There's the two old people, and there's the two guys who volunteer. Yeah. That's nine people, I just, right? Who, these old people, mm-hmm. we don't know who they are. I, I mean, thought they're the people that came. I thought. I think they just messed up. I think. I thought they were the people that jumped off the cliff. Nah, because their heads are like totally together when they're in the thing. They, yeah. And they had been buried with the tree. I right, they already oh. buried them. They showed oh, they that. Buried they them? burned Oh, so they just ran two random the people. Two other people. It's just a logistical question, but I was yeah. like, whoa, did I miss something? Was the tree pissing scene funny to y'all? Like it was to me? I know, it made me upset and stressed out. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, really? This is not good. <laughs> yeah, I was very anxious by that point. Really? Okay. There's a lot of comedy in that last like 45 minutes that I was not able to laugh at. Right, right. So when yeah. he gets up on the table with the girl, like, I'm going to get some ass now. I was like, no, yeah. bitch, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> yeah. When when the homegirl during the mating ritual, like, pushes on his butt. His butt. Yeah. I was like. I was really uncomfortable. I was like, I recognize that this is funny, but I'm upset. <laughs> or when her mom, like, sticks her head down to, like, sing to her while she's having sex. It's like. Yeah. That was. Because that she was, was in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Does that to- does that top um, um, nocturnal animals as like the most uncomfortable nocturnal, scene with naked women? Nocturnal <laughs> animals, fuck me up. The 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 intro to that. That's was... one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. My best friend Erica says she hates it. I haven't uh, seen. I it. love it. Nocturnal animals. That's a Tom really Ford good. joint, right? Yeah, it's really. Does good. he we'll make talk. Does he we'll make talk. better suits or better films? It's hard to say. Hard to say. Hard he's to pretty I, good I, at yeah, both. He's pretty yeah. good at both. We'll talk about nocturnal animals in a second, though, when we're done with this. The guy's ambidextrous. Get it? Yeah. Do, do you really? I mean, what? It, no, I don't. I mean, he can do two things. Is that what hands. See, if, you know, hands. if you know, you know. So what, what was <laughs> like? What was the image that I think stays with you the most out of this film? To me, it was like the blood eagle thing. Oh, it, now is he is he still breathing? Yeah, he's still. Alive. I didn't catch that when I saw it. The blood eagle thing. Well, yeah, that was like a thing His that's similar to a thing that Vikings do. Yeah, that Vikings oh, used to do. Oh, yeah, that's right, y'all. That's right. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. No, for me, it was the moment that person's face hit the rocks. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like I just I. Like I'm scared to eat like spaghetti and shit because of that. Like that's how <laughs> that's what you I think am. of. I'm just like I'm just like when they had to Lasagna. hit homeboy yeah. on the head with the yeah. hammer too. I was like, oh man, just yeah. the way he that landed. Was like, well, the, like the also sound design. This everything guy had been alive that. 72 years. You'd think uh-huh. he would have the deductive reasoning to know that like I probably want to fall face first mm-hmm. or at least yeah. like horizontal. I don't want to like lead with my legs. Yeah. It's not that high. Like you should have known your legs yeah. were just gonna explode. Yeah. You're still gonna be alive. Come on. Yeah. Unless he really wanted, he's like, scene. he's like, I want the hammer. We haven't used the hammer in a few years. I want to be the reason we got. What the thing was like when he fell on the ground, like several people in the theater were like, he missed. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the hearing the screams of the Americans in that scene as mm-hmm. things happened, it was very like this really upsetting to me yeah. because like I can just imagine like being confronted with that horror in real life. 
and how it would in the way that Florence Pugh kind of just checks out like it goes into like saving yeah. private Ryan mode and she's just like well yeah t- t- you know I found that interesting because it's like she, she I mean she, you know she had a response when he was falling but by the time the impact happened it 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 was just weird that they she didn't kept have standing a, there, and I was like, "What do you think's gonna happen to Homeboy? Why are you still standing yeah, here?" That was, ooh, I, I, it makes me wonder because Will Poulter's character wasn't there for that, right? He he had like slept through that. That's yeah, right. I wonder yeah. what his reaction would have been. To, Probably to, just oh, hit that weed shit. vape a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, man, I was just I was just blown. Like, uh, did you not just see what the fuck happened? Like, is that shock? Right. You know, is, uh, I think it, it is. I think you know. too that they were really committed to like we're serious academics, and if we walk away, like it's disrespectful. Yeah. Like self care is just not important in that moment. Yeah. Well, I think Josh knew what was gonna happen because yeah, he definitely did. he but said he was he knew. like eerily yeah. excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he, he was like he was like I just. Stupid. Oh. <laughs> he was like, for real? A real yeah. one? Like, y'all really doing that? Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was that was crazy. He, he should have told he his friends. Told <laughs> it's yeah. a bad bad friend from uh, Josh in that moment. Yeah. yeah, the sound design to me in that was just, oh, just chill. I didn't like when they showed, because there's only a few times where they show their crushed heads, like, straight on. Yeah. And then you can see, like, what remains of their eyes or their mm-hmm. nose. or You know what I'm saying? Because a How lot of it's from the side. How are you building that as a special effects? Like, oh, they love that stuff. Yeah. yeah they, it's, I, I follow a couple of uh, effects guys on Instagram, and they just post gnarly stuff all the time. Yeah. And if you didn't know that that's what it is, it would be like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, obviously there's ways of doing it, you know, latex and all types of shit um it, and it also fucked me up in the dream sequence when they showed the hammer when the face coming back together yes. yeah like I was, I was like anyway uh, man let's yeah. i'm getting sick just thinking about this shit so let's wrap <laughs> this up um uh so yeah man if you hadn't seen midsummer uh don't eat before you watch it definitely <laughs> and don't eat after you watch it just <laughs> commit the whatever you want to fast that yeah day. you want to fast for that whole week um uh, outside of it, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, a, an experience that I've never had in cinema before. Or if I have, I can only count on my hands how many times I've had it. Um, a, a absolutely important film to the genre of horror, um, if I must say so myself. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap this up? No. Straight to the Riz app. All right, man. Well, that was it. Uh, the Midsummer episode, episode 45, Kind of Movie Critics. Ari Aster, check it out. Still in theaters, probably for not too much longer. It's not really grossing much. Um, back to the socials, man. Uh, again, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kind of Movie Critics and on Twitter at Kind of Movie Crits. Um, yeah, man. And remember, we call ourselves Kind of Movie Critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not. Just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.